What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Josh Forty Effect. On today's episode, we have the guy that went from literally being homeless, living in and out of hotels, having to go ask, I think it was your father-in-law, right? Father-in-law for money at the lowest point of your life to now just a few short years later being the guy that buys hotels. And not just that, really becoming an entirely different person in the process and inspiring thousands and on his way to, I'm sure, millions to become a different version of themselves, And that's what we're talking about on today's episode. I'm super excited to be sitting down with Joseph. I don't even know how to pronounce your last name, dude. You always go by jo yeah, Joseph Aaron. I go by, I go by Joseph Aaron everywhere because my last name is this crazy Italian name that's hard to say. So Joseph Aaron. Well, okay, last but what is your last name? Gelati, like a spaghetti. Gelati. Uh <laughs> Perfect. We can do that. Okay. Everyone's going to remember that now. Gelati like a spaghetti. Dude, that's what you should lead off with. No one will ever forget you. Man, you it's jo Joseph uh, Gelati like a spaghetti, right? There you go. Joseph, there you go. That's what she used to do. Dude, welcome, man, to Josh Forty Effect. I'm super pumped to have you here, dude. It's an honor. I'm honored to be here. I, I love your message and I love how you just challenge people and you're willing to like get into the dirt and, and just debate and look for the truth. Yeah, dude. Well, it's interesting because, you know, uh, the last couple months, last six months of my life have been real. I don't know if confusing is the right word. There's certainly been times of confusion, right? But there's been a, a real search journey of figuring out what comes next, because I felt like there was I have this platform, obviously, with Think Different Theory that we had to change over to the Josh Forty effect because of the lawsuit and trademark issues and all of that. But like whenever you go through a change uh, you kind of hit a wall of uncertainty, right? You kind of, you, you, you got, you stop and you ask yourself the question of what comes next. And then when you really ask yourself that question, it's like, I hadn't thought about it in a while, right? Like you sit back and you're like, well, I just knew what came next forever and ever and ever. And then it like all went away. And then it's like stops. Right. And you're like, what the frick comes actually comes next. Right. So mm -hmm. coming out and, you know, coming back to that, you know, I think, I think one of the gifts that I've been given, and I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, potential and kind of things of that nature. But I think one of the gifts that I've been given is I've been, I'm, I'm very willing to state exactly what I think and to be very vocal, but also at the same exact time, like take it from other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've noticed has been very interesting in my life that I did not expect, right. Is that that makes people really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. Right. And it's like, you know, uh, I'm going to use an extreme example. Obviously, you know, Garrett White, right? Garrett White, what a man. All right. But like his whole persona and personality, right? Like you look at someone like that and you're like, okay, someone like that's obviously going to make someone uncomfortable, right? Like, I mean, he's just so in your face. He's just so out there or whatever, right? But I never really saw myself like I'm not and I love Garrett White, right? Garrett, if you're listening, I want you on the show. Come on, right? So like no hatred. I mean, all love. Garrett, Garrett is he's an awesome dude, right? But like I'm, I, I'm not going around cussing out f bombing people and you know screaming and being like fix your life you piece of shit right like blah 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 right like 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 he is I'm just out there like this is what I believe tell me why I'm wrong, and yeah. so many people seem to get very offended by that, and it's like that really confused me, uh, because I didn't expect that to happen. Does that make sense? Well, if you're, yeah, absolutely. If you're willing to hunt for the truth. Um, you, you have to be willing to challenge uh, what may be comfortable for people. And so uh, everybody knows, of course, the Bible's like, hey, the truth will set you free. And I get that. Uh, but no one talks about the challenge and the difficulty of actually hunting for the truth. Whether you're an entrepreneur, right, or you're not an entrepreneur, I imagine most of you watching this are entrepreneurs. It's like the truth about what will actually help you in your business. Whew, it's grueling. 
Here's a truth, yes. and I think I think you just went through this, Josh. You just talked about it, and it's a valuable truth to search for. But most people never answer the question, "What do I want?" Yeah. What do I want? Yeah. And so they just kind of like flow right through life, and they keep putting the question off because it's almost like if you answer the question, "What do I want?" Now, now, like you've decided, and that's problematic because you're like, "Well, what what am I missing out because I didn't decide what I wanted?" And it's scary. Yeah, it is. And when you just determine what you want, then all of a sudden it becomes this goal you have to hold yourself accountable to, right? And it's like, imagine I say I want, I don't know, whatever, a million bucks in the bank, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if like that's your, if that's your goal, now anytime that you're not moving towards that goal, anytime that you're not achieve that goal, now all of a sudden you have to hold yourself accountable as to why. And I don't think people inherently love to be held accountable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's uncomfortable too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next level of discomfort. But even the decision, I found when I look back over my life from the time being homeless multiple times, trying to lead a nonprofit movement and change the world, which we were doing a great job in the nonprofit movement. We just didn't have the money to keep growing it. Bro, like I look back once we started having like entrepreneurial success, quote unquote, even though I'm kind of like, I'm not even close to where I want to be. I'm just like getting started. But nevertheless, when I look back, I realized that it took me 10 years, maybe seven, depending on it. Look, took me between seven to 10 years to decide what I wanted. Well, let's talk. Okay. People let's listen to this right now are struggling. You have not decided what you want and you keep putting it off right until like you know you can feel comfortable with something and the reality is like josh you were just saying by the time you decide you're still not even going to be comfortable with it. no it's, it's so uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable yeah. it's way easier to scroll social media and look at somebody that has success and be like well they they got lucky right it's so much easier yeah. but let's start let's back up let's start with your let's start with your backstory right I don't, I don't sure. I think you're a, a newer member to a lot of my listeners. I don't think a lot of people uh, know really kind of who you are, your backstory, right? Because you have a not only are you, you let let me talk you up a little bit here. I know I know that you oh, would I, I know okay. you wouldn't normally Don't do worry. that, right? But uh, <laughs> like you've you've been able to do some really really cool stuff, right? And you've uh, had a fair amount of success. You're obviously partnered with uh, Eileen Wilder and your guys with you know your speaking stuff and whatnot. But you've made help. You've made millions of dollars. You've helped people make millions of dollars. You you run. Uh, what would you say is your main circle? Is ClickFunnels your main circle or or is it broader than that? Um, yeah, I'm definitely a heavy member in the ClickFunnels community. I would also say, um, you know, I'm pretty well known and kind of like, uh, uh, well, I wouldn't say well known compared to some, but I'm definitely heavy into kind of the Christian community too. And so I've got those kind of entrepreneur and Christian world. So you hear a lot of that. So if you're okay saying amen every once in a while when I say things, I'll feel better, Josh. Amen, brother. There we go, right? <laughs> Christianity and religion is certainly not something that I steer away from, right? That's like yeah, I'm God like, and money. There's right. two topics that aren't supposed to go together. Right. God, right? money, so, and politics, right? That's the yeah, let's that, do it. That, that's what it's always so funny. Um, when people are like, you're like, what are the three things? What are the three things you're not supposed to talk about at family dinner, right? Or at Christmas dinner, or whatever. And it's like God, money, and politics. And I'm like, basically, when I sit down. One of those three topics is coming up, right? I'm either right. I, I'm either wearing a Trump shirt, right, and we're talking politics, right? But by the way, funny story about that, right? So I I live right next to a Lifetime Fitness, okay, and uh, we go there, and I used to go. My, my wife works there; she teaches yoga, um, and I used to go there every morning and just jump in the pool to wake up, right? I'd go jump in the pool, swim some laps, get in the sauna, come out. 
And uh, I don't know, about two months ago, um, I made this decision. I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to actually like take care of my, I'm going to, I'm putting on some muscle. You can't really see it, but I, I'm actually, I'm way, way less skinny than I am. I or was. Yeah, bro. Stop flexing on me. Right? Look, yeah, yeah, right? Look at that little, little muscle yeah. coming in there. Right. Um, but so I go and, um, I, I, you know, I, I never was in the workout area. Right. Cause you know, you go to the locker room, you go to the pool and that's it. Well, so like two months ago, month and a half ago or so we start working out and, uh, about, you know, my wife is very much in alignment with my views on things, right? She certainly is, you know, we agree on most things, but my wife is way less vocal about things, right? Especially where she works, whatever. But I wore, uh, I wore a Trump shirt to the, the gym one morning, right? And like, I wow. see her look at me and she's kind of like, all right, cool. So we go there and I go and get some fist bumps from people or whatever. And the next day we walk in. And guess who's all wearing Trump shirts? We got one guy with an FJB shirt, another chick with a Trump hat on coming up to me. Hey, man, I saw your shirt. Like, hey, so we decided to wear it. So now we go in today. People are in Second Amendment shirts. So now it's this thing, right? There's this little group of us that all show up and we all wear our, you know, either anti-Joe Biden or pro-Trump shirts or whatever. I'm like, man, if you're around me for any length of time, it's either God, politics or money. It's one of the three. So uh, anyway, okay. I just thought that was funny. But back up. Let's back up. I want to. I want people to know you, because guys, just a quick background. Jo, he, jo, Joe here, jo, Joseph. Do you go by Joe or Joseph? I, I call you Joe. Joe. Call Joe. Me Joe. All right, Bro broke Joe, woke Joe over here. Woke Joe over here. He he's the man, guys. Like he really is legit. Um, you know, he he has has consulted some some very very big names. Uh, you know, Dan Henry. I know who's also a very good friend of mine. I know you guys. You and Eileen. I think it was more you, but you and Eileen uh, helped helped him. Um, with that, very, very smart. But I, I want you to go through, Joe, Joe I'm going to turn it over to you. Just kind of tell your story uh, of where you came from, who you are, your background, how you got to where you're at. Because you have a very, very powerful story, very, very incredible, um, that will inspire many. Um, so, yeah, turn it over to you. Like, give people a little background. Who are you? What do you do? How'd you get here? Yeah, um, I I started my first book, and I, I got another book that start with the same sentence. And the reality is I want to change the world. Like I didn't get into entrepreneurship and money because I wanted the money. It started because I wanted to make an impact. Mm. And growing up in a, in a Christian home and being a youth leader in the church and like I wanted to start a movement that helped kids. And so we went to the poorest, most broken area of the United States that we could find. If you, those of you who don't know, East St. Louis is on the top 10 worst places in the world to live. Like it's compared to places in Africa and Uganda and stuff like that. Like the level of poverty is insane. And so we were in a little area right by East St. Louis called Granite City. And we thought if we can start a movement here to help teenagers and we can change the world here, we can change the world anywhere. And so we started there and we spent seven years there, Josh. And we, we blew up the movement, like helping the kids and the impact and all that. That was happening. We had more students a part of our movement in the first 90 days than all the youth groups of all the churches put together in that area. Parents would come and be like, who are you? Because there'd be like hundreds of kids. But it was entrepreneurial. Like there was no church backing us up. There was no one, like we didn't have financial backing from any one organization. We just decided to do it and we did it. So like what, like what were you doing? We, so our whole thing was, we, it's, our, our tagline was the 99, scrap the model, change the world. And the idea was that if we could bring students together to start working together to affect change and the things they wanted to affect change and actually doing stuff, not marching and holding signs and just complaining about the world, but actually doing stuff that if they like encountered the brokenness of the world and saw like how hard it was to change it, it would get them past kind of the petty things that allow them to get into things like drug addiction and all the messed up suicidal stuff that happens in teenagers lives. Like we wanted to give them vision for their lives. And we believe that as they encountered the brokenness of the world, 
they would encounter God. Mm. And that's what happened. Mm. That's powerful. And so, so as they encounter God in the brokenness of the world, you quickly realize when you actually do stuff, you don't just complain about what's wrong with the world, but you actually do stuff to try and change it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because there's people out there, all they want to do is complain about what's wrong, right? But if you actually step into the world and say, I'm going to be a difference maker, you quickly realize how difficult it is to make the difference. And you quickly realize that I am not enough. It's going to take something bigger than me mm. to affect the change that my heart desires. And when you do that, you start looking for something or someone big enough to affect that change. And you quickly realize that government ain't going to do it. Politics ain't going to do it. Uh, you know, I'm, like the thing that's going to do it is like something bigger than me. And ideally you come to God and it's like, okay, God, <laughs> how do I do this? And I'm not trying to preach here, right? But it's just the reality of- Joe, if you want, if you want to preach, okay. if you want to pull a Garrett White, you want to turn this into a preaching session, bro. Amen, right. brother. There you go. <laughs> Come on, man. Right? But eventually, if, if, if your vision is big enough, you're going to find a problem bigger than you. Yeah. And if your vision is big enough, you're going to find a problem bigger, bigger than your community. And when that happens, you ultimately come to God. And then you're like, okay, God, what do I do? And here's the problem. Like most of us, when we like look- we just want God to do it all for us. Yeah. That's how I was. I was like, God, because we were growing so fast, Josh, we had to keep building bigger buildings and renting out bigger facilities, but it was all based on the money I had in my pocket, which wasn't much. I was like wholesaling real estate back then. And it's hard to lead a movement and be running a business at the same time. And so we kept running out of money. We, we drained our life insurance account. We drained everything, bro, trying to do it. And when we did it, eventually, we couldn't pay our rent. How old were you, know you at this did? time? We lived in a hotel. How old, how old are you? Uh, in my 30s. In your 30s? I'm 42 right now. So I was in my 30s. Yep. And you're, yep, you're draining your life savings. You're draining your accounts. You're, you're running out, and you run out of money. And so we lived in a hotel. And I had no job. I was an entrepreneur. I knew if I was going to do the thing I wanted to do, it was going to take more money than what a job could give me. But at the same time, I kind of had an aversion to money because I was like, well, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Right. That's right. What, yeah. And, ah. Yes. And that mindset kept bringing me to hotels where my wife and I had three kids. Right. And like one of them's two or three. Right. One of them's. And, and so we keep lit. And I'm like, OK, how do I come up with fifty five dollars today to pay the hotel bill so that I can do my vision and dream? And the belief was, Josh, that I had to like lay myself down on this cross of poverty because somehow by suffering and poverty, I was getting closer to God. And if I suffered enough, God would pay for it. And that's messed up. Right. Dude, wrong. that is deep. That's so deep though. But, but look in your audience, Josh, there are entrepreneurs who are not succeeding because they haven't worked through and really understand what money is. And so they're afraid they're, they don't realize it, but they're afraid to make more money. Because there's this aversion. There's this idea yeah. like, I can't be close to God and have a lot of money. Okay, can I, can I interject something right there? Can I tell you a quick, quick side note oh. story about my own? So I, oh. work with, uh, I worked with Katie Richardson. Uh, do you know Katie? Not personally. All no, right, sir. so Katie Richardson, just, just a phenomenal human being. I mean, just like truly, truly just phenomenal. Uh, hired her, mindset coach, high performance coach, 60 grand a year, five grand a month, every month. And uh, she wasn't a business coach, right? She was a mindset coach. She was a clarity coach, right? She worked with my head. And I remember I, I had my, my first big launch where I made, it was the first time I had made six figures cash collected in a week, right? Like, dude, like you want to talk about, 
you know, like $150,000 like in your bank account when you're like, whoa, right? Like it would have taken me back at my job. It would have taken me one to six years to make that amount of money, right? I did in a week. And I remember I got done and we, I moved, we moved to my, uh, the apartment I live in now, we moved out to Colorado and just freaking gorgeous, right? I live on a golf course. You can see the, see the mountains, right? And I remember I called her on her next call and I said, Katie, I feel so guilty, right? I feel so guilty right now, right? She's like, what do you mean, right? And I was like, I, I have, like my mind, like my mind couldn't comprehend this two years ago, mm-hmm. right? Like it could, I was like, I have this and I know there's poverty in the world. And I know there's people that need this money, right? And I'm like, here I am. And I drive this sick Jeep that I just, not only did I buy it, and then I took another five, $6,000 and tricked it all out, right? And I have all the, and I'm like, why do I feel so guilty about this, right? And that moment, you know, the, and, and, you know, the first thing she said, she's like, Josh, the first thing you have to do is just start to observe, right? Stop judging for a second and just go observe, right? But like that yep. lesson of overcoming that and that lesson was the thing that eventually got me to go understand money, right? And the shifts around that, like having that experience and what, $150,000, whoop de do, right? People have spent that on dinner before, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not much money in the grand scheme of things, right? But for me, growing up where, you know, 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour is a good day's work, right? Like that's su- that was such a shift. And so I think it's very powerful because I had such an aversion to money that I made that $150,000 and I told Katie, I was like, I don't think I feel like I can ask anybody. Like, I think I just need to go work for free for a month or two. Like, I'm so, like I don't, like I can't ask anybody for more money I, I have, right? And it was such yeah. a powerful shift. So anyway, it's, it's true. People have this aversion. It is. And I, I've got this whole biblical thing, uh, like on the first sentence God ever said, I'll share that at some point. Yeah, we've got to, dude, when you shared that right. to me, I was like, yeah. I even texted you afterwards after our phone call. Like that, yeah. I went and I told Leah that, and I was like, I was wrestling me. We'll get to that. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so here I am, like trying to figure out how to make $55 a day. And we would like, we, we got a hotel that had the free breakfast. So you could get like, the, and my wife would like yeah, collect yeah. extra food for herself and the kids. And like, that was lunch right? So that we had enough for breakfast and lunch. Meanwhile, I was trying to figure out how to do something to make $55 that day. Now, let me ask you all a question. How much of a difference could I really make in that kind of struggle bubble? Like just trying to provide for my family so we had somewhere to live that night, right? But in my mind, for some reason, God wanted me to go through that. And that's not accurate at all. <laughs> right. But nevertheless, that was my belief. Right. Well, and and, and, and so side note for all my Christians out there that are like, well, all things work together for good. It's not that God wasn't using that for good, right? Like he used it for good. Right. But that's not yeah. necessarily where he wanted yeah. to be. That's right. Just because I'm in dysfunction doesn't mean God can't use it for good, but right. I'm still in dysfunction. Right? right. And I I I was in a prison of my own making. I laid myself on that cross. Yep. Right. And it was just like, no, yeah. So um we kept having that battle. And have you guys ever noticed like when you start, when you come against the own limitations of your own beliefs that the cycle repeats itself. And so that didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It happened three times. And I was like, I just kept doing it. 
and then we'd go get some money, but it was enough to live and enough to start taking care of the movement again, Josh. And then we would go until we reached the upper limit of our growth. And when we reached the upper limit of our growth, we had to make the same decision. A friend of mine, we do events for Nick Santonestaso. He's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, if you know him. And he, he, he talks about it as portals. He's like, when you are growing and trying to go to the next level, there's going to come a moment of opportunity where you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fork in the road. And, and he calls them portals. And he's like, it's scary to jump through the portal. At every stage of like significant growth in your life, there's going to be a portal. There's going to be an opportunity for you to leap. And the problem is most of us don't leap. And you've got to leap. And it is a faith leap and it is scary. And you don't know what's going to happen when you leap. And I kept coming to that portal. You, you, Josh, you could probably speak to some portals you've had like moments. Like, <laughs> do I leap? Right. And if you don't leap, the cycle repeats. And eventually years later or months later or whatever your cycle is, you come back to the same opportunity. And some of you are not growing in your lives because you keep coming to a moment where you need to leap and you won't leap. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't leap, you're just going to repeat the cycle. Yeah. Dude, I, like, it's so funny you're, like, saying that. And I'm, like, my mind is going. Like, I can, rem I can remember the moments just, like, so vividly clear at different points of, like, leaping, right? Every single one of them. Terrifying. And every single one of them cost you something, too. It was, like. Yep. Every one of them. I remember the, probably the, the last, I mean, I've, I've, several one, but probably the, the, the riskiest one, the biggest one that I ever I took as far as Leap is concerned, right? I had, I had a successful business. I had a business partner. Then uh, my brother passes away, right? Helicopter crash, dies in a helicopter crash, leaves behind a pregnant wife, five-year-old son, right? My older brother, right? And uh, it, was, it, was, it was horrible, right? Wrecked my whole life. And I, I go to my business partner. I, tr I tried to stay with the business for a couple months. I was like, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't, I got to learn something here, right? Like God's trying to tell me something. I don't know. So I, I set up, sell my part of the business. My wife, girlfriend at the time, but now my wife, right? We decided we, we're going to go around the world, right? We're going to go just do a world trip, get perspective, go to different churches, end up going around the world. We get over to the Philippines. My wife gets sick with an intestinal eating parasite, okay? In the Philippines, right? Yeah. We are now for, for context, we're not like, just like, in a major city in the Philippines. First, you fly to like the main city. Then you go and you take a propeller plane to land on a dirt runway. And then you like oh. get off and you can see through the airport. It's like just like a little building, right? You get your bags, you drive, you get in a van full of you know 10 other people for six hours. And you drive all oh. the way to the other side of this tiny little island. And like the only thing that is remotely, remotely normal there, right? Like the remote is there is in McDonald's. But the McDonald's serves fried chicken and rice. Okay. It doesn't serve like the normal stuff. It's got fried right. chicken and rice, right? And that's the only normal thing there, right? The open air markets or whatever. And we're out there just having a blast or whatever, you know, like we're on our little moped. And then she gets sick. And we find out and it's an intestinal eating parasite. And we're going there. We go to the emergency room and the emergency room bed is a piece of plywood. Okay. With a foam oh, thing. This The doctor walks in with flip-flops on. There's ants crawling up the wall. There's no AC and the toilet does not have a toilet seat on it. Like not an actual toilet. That's where we find ourselves. And I'm like, okay, okay. My wife's running 104 degree fever and they want to stick a needle in her. And I'm like, don't you freaking dare, right? Like, right. so long story short, we go and we cancel the rest of the trip, obviously. Spend $10,000 on first class flights home because my wife can't sit up. She had to lay down. We had to keep her flat the whole way. 
this is right before COVID hit. They probably wouldn't have let her on the plane if it was during COVID, right? She was so sick, right? We get, right. we go, we fly, we land back in the United States, and I find myself living in the basement of my girlfriend's mom's house for a week because we didn't have a place to live, right? Because right. we had canceled everything, put it all in storage. And I'm sitting there with no business, just spent, I'm down to like my last like five grand in my business bank account, maybe $8,000. I think it was 8,000, 8,500. I've got a little bit in personal savings or whatever, right? Because I keep them separate. But in the business, there's like eight grand. And I remember sitting there, I'm so confused, I'm so overwhelmed. And I go through and I start interviewing coaches because like, I know I need a coach. And I get on the phone with Katie. And here I am ready to spend $25,000. I'm like, I've mentally prepared for this $25,000 thing, thinking maybe I can do this or whatever. And Katie gets on the phone and she starts speaking to me very much in a way, by the way, that, that you do, right? Very connected mm -hmm. with emotion. I mean, just so, like speak right to your soul, right? Yeah. And she's like, she'll go and she like connects with you and connects with me. And I'm like, she's the one. I, I like, you know how you have that, that tingling feeling, like that feeling deep down inside where you're like, I know this is the right person for me. Like, I know this is who I'm supposed to follow, right? And uh, she goes and she's like, Josh, we're gonna, I'm going to work with you. I'm like, what are you going to give me? She's like, I'm going to give you one coaching call a week. And I'm like, all right, one coaching call a week, cool. And I was like, oh, how much is it? And she goes, Josh, it's 60 grand. And I'm like, okay. I am in my basement of my wife's girl or my wife's mom's house with $8,000 left in my business bank account. And she wants me to sign a $60,000 contract with $5,000 due today. And she's going to give me a coaching call a week. Like what the frick, man? Like what? that was the moment that was the, that, that was a portal jump, right? Like that's portal. that moment of like this. And so I go there and I'm like, like, can I trust you, Katie? Like, are you going to, she's like, Josh, I will help you become the person of yourself that you know is inside of you. You just can't figure it out. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. And so I go, freaking pay the $5,000, put it on the credit card or whatever. And the very first phone call, like 10 minutes into it, you know, Katie's like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be emotional, be yourself. I'm like, I'm not gonna cry, right? 15 minutes in the first phone call, I am bawling, right? Just yeah. ball, like all the emotion or whatever. Four months later, four months later, I had $150,000 a week, right? Like jump. That's what you're talking about. Scary. Leap. You've got, you've got to leap at some point or the cycle is going to continue. That's just all there is to it. Yeah. And so I kept not leaping. And I mean, I made the right decision, but it, it was it was the most painful decision. Is there anyone out there who's just been so exhausted trying to make your dream come true that you just don't have any more left to give? <laughs> that's where I was. Like, it was like, I was just done. It wasn't that I didn't love the kids. It wasn't that I didn't believe. Well, I didn't believe in the vision anymore. I gave up. I was like, I blame God, Josh. This is what happens. Sometimes you keep not leaping and then you blame other people for why you couldn't leap. Yep. And when I couldn't find anyone else to blame, I blame God. <laughs> and I was like, that's always a good to one to blame. <laughs> yeah. Right. You were like, cause we all heard it in church. It's like, if it's his will, it's his bill. Right. And it's like, you're supposed to be like, Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus government. Right? But it's like, is that really true? Cause it preaches good and it rhymes. So it right. must be true. Right. Right. If it rhymes, <laughs> it's, it's a true. Bite, it must be true. Right. Right. So, so yeah. So I was just like, I didn't understand a God who doesn't give us the money to do the dreams that he called us to do. Right. And so I was just done with him and I had to decide like, what am I going to do with this? Like my world was shattered and you, you guys, some of you are like, oh, cry baby. Like, so what you're homeless, but you got three kids, you're healthy. Yep. There were a lot of ways I was blessed. So I'm not trying to act like whatever. 
And there are worse situations happening For in the sure. right now. But that's what I realized too, was I was like, wait a second. I'm not the only person suffering in the world. And there are lots of other people who are trying to do good things who don't do good things, Josh, because they don't have the money to do the thing that they want to do that's good. And I'm like, why do you let that happen, God? That's stupid. Why does money right. get in the way of something as important and meaningful as movements and healing people? And I started looking like even around like the church world I looked at first because that's the world I come from. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there are so many ministries that do really great things that don't have the money to do more great things. And so they don't do them. Yep. And then I realized like there's so many people who mean to do great things, but don't do great things and have visions of doing great things and dream about doing great things. But they're stopped at the door of a lack of cash. Yep. And I'm like, wait a second. Have I been blind to this? I've been so indoctrinated into modern Christianity and listening to the sound bites of it's his will, it's his bill that I miss the fact that there are millions and millions of people that are suffering today whose problems could be solved if the movements who could help solve them had more money. So I just wonder, like, how many people listening to this right now, how many of you would say, like, Joe, if I had $100 million in the bank, I would be making a bigger impact? <laughs> yeah. Anyone? Right? right? And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, if $100 million would help you make more impact, my question was, why? Why would money be a part of that? Can we talk about money? I know we're not supposed to talk about it. It's right. taboo, but I'm on the Josh 40. Yeah. Well, I'm a factor, right? Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> you're allowed, I you're allowed to talk about money here, Joe. You're allowed. Well, what, uh, let's talk about money. Real quick, though, one, one really interesting thing that you said there, right, is you said, yeah. I would be making a bigger impact, right? Not an impact, but a bigger impact, right? Which, which, mm -hmm is a precursor way. I think it's important, right? Because I think a lot of times we say, I will make an impact when I have money. Oh, talk about it. Right, right? And it's like, I will donate to charity when I have money. I will go, and it's like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about saying, hey, don't start until you have money. That is not what, that, correct no. me if I'm wrong. That's not what we're saying, right? Mm -mm. It no. is, you've got to go and you've got to, like, you got to start now, but now take it and add $100 million on top of that. Right? Josh is preaching now. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Right? Right? Like, yeah, what you'll do with little, you'll do with much. Right. And so we gave everything. And I'm not saying that in any sort of braggadocious way. I'm saying that to show you how stupid I was. Because yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't understand how it was supposed to work. Right. Yep. By me giving everything, I had nothing left to give. Yep. So Josh, if you would have took that 150,000 and gave everything, gave it all to the poor that day, you would have had nothing left to give. In the grander scheme of things, would you have more impact or less impact by giving away every dollar you receive as soon as you get it? Less impact. And that's an interesting question. Yeah. And the reason why people struggle with this is because, Josh, they don't even know what money is. You don't even know what money is, and that's why you struggle with it. Yep. I'm not talking to you, Josh. I'm talking to some of the people. And, and even further than that, they like going exactly on what you said there. They don't understand that money is not limited, right? It's un that like resources and it's not. I have one hundred and fifty thousand, and somebody else has nothing. I must give somebody else my hundred and fifty thousand. It's I got to figure out how to get them up to here. Now that's not to say I shouldn't. You shouldn't ever give away money, but it's like there's not a finite. You know, God. God what is it? The verse in the Bible. God owns cattle on a thousand hills, right? Like you don't. Mm -hmm. There's infinite. 
there's not a finite amount of resources. It's the, the pie gets bigger. And that comes back to understanding money. Yeah. And we're going to, once you understand money, um, everything changes. And once you understand the purpose of money in your life, everything changes. But the, see, the, the conversation that we're told and everyone buys into is like, a lot of people will talk about Josh. They'll be like money management. Oh, I need to manage my money. I hate that word. Mm. I, hate, I mean, it's true that you need to manage money, but that's not really what money is about. When you manage money, you're coming at it from the perspective and worldview that money is a limited and finite resource yep, yep. that you have to be careful. Now we all understand. I, I tell my kids all the time, money moves. And that's something everybody should tell the kids. Money moves. And you know this if you've ever had any money, because like you got a stack and all of a sudden, did this bill come? <laughs> and it's like, it just keeps moving, right? And you're just like, hold on. You can just look at it. Just, just, just watch going, it leave. Right? Yeah. 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 And so that's why it's called currency because money moves. It's like a current, right? I think it's a great word for it. And so once you understand that that money moves, right, you start asking, well, why is it moving? And how how's this all work? But we're all trying to manage it and limit its movement. And it's like, if it's currency, you're never going to limit its movement. That's, that's, that's a loser's game. Mm. I'm not calling you loser. I'm just saying it's, it's a losing game to try and manage it. The, the message and okay, I'm going to talk to those of you and we'll get into this in just a little bit, but the message of the Bible is not to manage money. The message of the Bible is to multiply money. And when you come at money from the perspective of my mission is to multiply this instead of manage this, you come from a perspective of abundance instead of a perspective of lack. And I'll show you how that changes things in a little bit, but I just wanted to mention that. Like, we're going to talk about what money is if, if you're good with yeah, it. Dude, of course, money, religion, like this is, and it's just so fascinating because I don't, like, I, I, I don't want to throw rocks at the church as... I do. The work. I love the church, but they need to. They need okay, to okay. What I, and what I what I mean by that is like I don't want to be like the church is bad, but right. the modern church is not like the word church does not accurately represent what God meant by the church, right? Mm -hmm. And so you grow up in this scenario of the church. And by the way, I go to church, right? I'm active in church, right? Right. We just actually, we just moved church. Our pastor just left, uh, one of my favorite pastors of all time. He just left and actually started a business with leadership, right? He left the church, started business in a good way. Like not, he didn't leave the, the faith, right? He just, right. But like we grow up thinking and like the, the, we like to pick out like little passages of the Bible and take them out of context and be like, well, God, God will provide. Right. And like you say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, but we don't actually look at, and I, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard the parable of the talents, right? I mean, who hasn't heard that if you're, but like, why don't we take that more seriously, right? Why don't we look at that and go, listen, if you're not multiplying money, like what, what, what does God say? It's uh, like, he literally condemns the dude, right? Like who doesn't right. do anything with it. He says, here's how, here's how that story starts. He says, the kingdom of God will be like, and then he tells the story. I'm looking it up. Like a man who went away into a far country, right? And he gave to each man according to his ability. It's like. He's telling you what the world is supposed to look like. Oh, and this is, this is a good point, Josh. Um, stop living your life in the way that you wish the world was instead of operating in the world as it really is. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Matthew, here it is. I just looked it up because I, I wanted to do a direct quote. Ready for this? Good. 
So yep. he goes through, he gives them all whatever. And he's, you know, um, master, you delivered me two talents. Here I am. I've made two more talents. And the master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will send you, or I will set you over much. Enter into joy of your master. Ready? Here we go. He also, he also who had received one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground, right? Here you, here have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and, ha and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast oh. the worthless servants into the outer worthless. darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's talk about Jesus money. Ain't supposed to talk like that. That's <laughs> not politically correct, right? Jesus is not supposed to talk like that. I love that. Can, can, okay, you brought it up. So I'm going to I'm going to share. Guys, if you take nothing else from this interview, you can learn so much just from this little story. It's unbelievable how right this story is about how to be a successful entrepreneur in the view of in my opinion, the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus Christ. So here's what he says. First thing, right? This is a story about how it's supposed to work. So let's stop operating in the world in the way that we want it to work and instead operate in the way that God actually set up the world. I'm going to say something crazy. God set up the world purposely with money because a world with money is better than a world without money. Mm. Can I say that again? Because I know I just offended everyone. <laughs> A world with money is better than a world without money. You're like, you capitalist pig. <laughs> <laughs> but I can prove it to you. Yeah, yeah. I can prove, literally just think, Josh, people don't go through this exercise and so they don't understand money. Yep. If, there was, if we didn't have money, if God set up the world, so there, what is money, first of all? Money, guys, if, I don't know if you guys are listening on YouTube right now or where you're listening, but just write down your, what is money? Can you even, can you tell me what money is? Um, and it's like 90% no, of the people it's paper. that I ask, you don't know. It's yeah, just yeah. paper, bro. Like, yeah, right? Boom. <laughs> uh, it's like, what, but what is it? And, and so you have to go back to the beginning and you got to say, okay. And by the way, the first thing God talks about, the first sentence God says to us, he's talking about money, but that's, we'll, we'll come back. We're going to get to this. Be, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, so what is money? Well, if you start back and you're like, okay, I'm a farmer. It's like, I got to eat, right? What do I need? I need to, I need to eat. I need shelter and I need like oxygen. Right. And it's like, I think those are like the three basic human food, shelter and oxygen. It's like, that's what I need. Okay, cool. So let's say we start this thing off and I'm just a farmer and there is no such thing as trade, right? There is no such thing as money. Okay. So I'm like, what that means is that everything, Josh, that I have, I have to make myself. Now that's pretty easy when you're like, okay, there's some fruit trees here in this garden in the beginning. <laughs> so it's like, I can eat some fruit, right? And it's like, okay, I'm fed. But then you think, and you're like, wait a second, I need a house. But it's like, I don't make houses, I grow fruit trees. So what do you need? You need some wood, you need some bricks, and you need some other stuff. 
So luckily somebody else in the world has figured out like how to go to the forest, cut down the trees, break down the bark off the trees to make me a, a house. And I'm like, will you make me a house? And they're like, why would I make you a house? And I'm like, I got fruit. Right. You want to eat? Cause you can't eat lumber. He's like, yeah, I want to eat. I'm like, how many apples would it take to get a house? <laughs> so I produce apples and, and he or she produces houses and we're going to trade. You know what that trade is? Money. Mm. That's what that that's that's the trade. Money is a the representation is, of that value. Exactly. It's yep. like value produced. And so my job, the first thing God ever says to all of us, the very first words out of God's mouth to tell us who to be is be fruitful. In other words, produce something of value with your life that the world is willing to trade you for. And, and, because and, if we don't do that, Josh, if we're lazy, we produce nothing. That's why laziness is one of the seven deadly sins. That's why Jesus yells at this dude. He's like, you wicked, and notice what he calls him, lazy servant. Yep. You aren't producing anything with your life. So Jesus is like, if you're not producing anything, you suck. He, Jesus literally says to him, go to hell. Yeah. And it's interesting, that very first phrase, and we're not talking about the very first phrase that God spoke in the Bible, but the very first phrase that he spoke to man, right? Because that was the very first, he creates Adam and he goes and says, go be fruitful. And well, I'll save, I'll save yeah. the rest for you. But yeah, yeah, but that's, it's, it's. So, so money is just, so what happens is, is when you think about, I'm trying to prove to them right now and to help you guys see that money makes the best possible world. Because if, if there was no, what is money now? Money, well, what happened is, is like, if I, all of a sudden just, like, how many apples could this, like, housemaker really eat? Like, if I gave him 10 truckfuls of apples, it's like, what's going to happen to the apples? It's like, they're going to rot before he can eat them, which right. is a whole nother message. Terrible store like, of value. Yeah, yeah, terrible store of value. We know this, like, crypto and all the conversations going on on that. <laughs> but, but also recognize that um, that value produced that's not traded rots. Mm. And so it's meant to move. Yep. Okay. Currency. Now, um, if I can only like, so if I can only produce apples and they're producing trees, he doesn't want 150. Like, let's say you could build a house for $300,000. Who wants $300,000 worth of apples? Almost nobody. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like, well, what could I give you instead of apples? And he'll be like, oh, well, I need a wheelbarrow to help make my house. So what do I have to do? I have to now go find somebody who makes wheelbarrows and wants apples because I make apples and he makes wheelbarrows and he makes houses. And so I got to get wheelbarrows because I can't just give them apples. So I need apples and wheelbarrows. And so I got to find a wheelbarrow maker who wants apples. And I'm like, how many apples you want for a wheelbarrow? And he's like, 30. And I'm like, sweet, here you go. Right. And then he, and I'm like, how many wheelbarrows can I buy? And he's like two. And I'm like, oh, so I need to go find somebody. You see what's happening here. It's trade. He's producing something. He's producing something valuable. I'm producing something valuable. Someone else is producing valuable. And if the world existed in such a way where everything I own, if there was no trade, then everything that I own, Josh, I would have to make myself. Mm. Could you imagine if I had to make an iPad by myself? <laughs> Have you ever went through the exercise? Like, no, forget that. Look, this is a pen. How many of you think you could make a pen yourself? 
This is a plastic pen, so that means it needs oil. Let's just start there. I don't even know how to make ink. But if I needed to make a pen and I need oil, I'm like, first of all, I got to figure out how to find oil in the world. And I don't know how to find oil, right? right? But let's just say that I could figure out how to find oil, but there was no trade. I got to do all this myself. Now, what do I need to do? Now I need a machine that can dig down to get the oil that I found. Well, that means I need metal for the machine. But Josh, I don't know how to make metal or how to find metal. So now I got to go find how to make metal, but I'm going to need a machine for that. Are you seeing where I'm going? And it yeah. becomes this infinite regress of terribleness. The best possible world is a world where Josh produces great stuff and I produce great stuff and you produce great stuff and we trade. Yep. And money is the medium of exchange. It's and, just an easy, and, easy and I think, way to trade. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, think, I think, you know, Sometimes you go back to basics and people are like, what, what? yeah, we know this. Why, why are you going back to this, right? And it's like, but no, 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 no. Do you, like, do you actually understand what's going on here, right? Because yeah. we get so attached to money. We get so like money's bad or money's good and we like to label and we like to decide and determine, right? Whether or not money is bad or whether it's good or having a lot of money is bad or having a lot of money is good or all that stuff or other. And we start to dilute, I feel like, at least I know I did, right? Before I started to dilute what it meant to, like what money actually represented and actually did, right? Mm. And it's like, yep. listen, imagine, going back to your Apple example here, now imagine I did produce apples, right? Yep. And let's say there was no dollars, right? Let's say that though, but let's say that I was in a land where there was a famine, and I had lots of that. I had 300,000 apples, right? Mm -hmm. And now I've got 100,000 people all of a sudden that wanted an apple, right? And they all wanted my three apples. And I have 300,000 of them and they all have something little to exchange, right? right? If they all exchange everything that they did, maybe one person, like you said, makes wheelbarrows. One person does lumber. One person does, you know, quilts. One person does wheels. One person does roofing. All of a sudden I've accumulated a massive, massive amount of wealth, right? Of things, right? Yep. In exchange for my apples, right? Now, is that bad? Did I provide real value to the world? I provided, yeah, I provided real value to the world, right? So there's nothing inherently wrong with me. It's just a medium of exchange in order for us to go faster, right? But we so the, in our, go ahead. Yeah, you're killing it. So the question of money is like, isn't a question of, uh, having a lot of it good or bad, the, the question of money is like, how much value am I providing the world? Exactly. And here's my question to all of you struggling with money. Does God want you to provide more value to the world or less? Mm. 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 It's our job. It's our moral obligation to go and provide more value to the world. Like, why would God be opposed in that story to laziness? It's definitely not meant as a nice thing. And when he says... Cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. For those of you who don't know, I studied, I said in ancient Greek. For those of you who don't know ancient Greek or the idiom there, weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's hell. That's why I said he said go to hell because yep. that's, that's, how, that's the language they would use to yep. personify hell. Yep. And it's like, oh my gosh, God really hates laziness. And it's like, why would he hate laziness? Because the first thing he tells us to is to be productive, to produce things. How do we know it's, how do we know it's productive? It's productive if the world is willing to exchange us value for it. Hmm. And yeah, and ah, now we get into psychology, which is the most fun thing in the whole planet. Psychology has <laughs> got to be one of my favorite things ever. But 
Now you go through and you say, okay, well, I can only provide X. And now you, this is where, when I started to understand levels of value, right? When I started to understand that the same thing could be more valuable to somebody than it could be to somebody else, right? Now, all of a sudden, whoa, now all of a sudden, it's like multiplication of wealth became so different, right? Because and go back to, and, and, and I, I want to clarify this. I'm sure you have you know, things on this. I'm in no way saying it's bad to be poor. I'm in no way saying take advantage of the poor. None of those things, right? Right? I mean, poor, I mean, God says the poor God is against that. Right, yeah. yeah. God, God, God is like, yeah. the poor will inherit the earth, right? So like, there's no, no, there's nothing inherently evil or wrong about being poor. There is something inherently evil and wrong about not producing, right? So that, just to be clear, right? But when you start to go and you start to say, okay, look, I'll use the example. Uh, I, I, I used this example the other day with one of my students. I said, I want you to imagine you had a course, right? And this course taught a skill set that you had, which was wine tasting. And you're like, okay. okay. Like, now, does, that, does wine tasting inherently have value? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not, right? What are you going to do with it? So if you go to a college student, and this college student wants to learn how to taste different wines, and they want to do it so they can impress their friends, how much is wine tasting worth to that person? 50 bucks? hundred bucks, right? Cool. I get to impress. Maybe not even. Maybe not even. Maybe 20 bucks, maybe 10 bucks, right? Maybe it's like, ah, cool, whatever, right? Now, that exact same process to be able to taste wine or whatever. Now I want you to go to an executive who does deals with CEOs and business owners all the time. And his job is to go out and do wine tastings and to go to wine parties to go and get clients so that he can go and build his business. And by understanding wine, by knowing the wine tasting, right? Being able to taste better wine. He's able to then impress clients and his average client makes him a million bucks. How much more or how valuable or how beneficial is being able to understand wine tastings to him versus the college student who's trying to impress his friends, both with wine, both trying to impress people. What's the value difference? Massive, massive, right? I could charge thousand bucks, five, maybe even $10,000 for tra- teaching this dude how to taste wine. And you're like, well, that, there's no, what, that's, tasting wine isn't possibly worth $10,000, right? But it is, right? And when you start to understand that how you provide value to the world, once again, what does this represent? This represents a medium of va- exchange of value. So who gets to determine value? The two parties involved, right? That's right. And that's like, okay. it starts to bend your mind all of a sudden because now you start to realize, wow, if I just serve a different person, right? If I provide mm-hmm. a different service, mm-hmm. if I provide more value to the world, it has nothing to do with time. It has everything to do with the solution that I'm getting someone. I'm going to say something crazy, Josh. I love what you just said. I'm going right. to say something crazy, though. Let's do it. Okay, listen, here, here. You were made for this. Mm. You were made, I believe, you were made to produce value in the world. I find so many people struggling with their purpose. They're like... What am I supposed to do? What was I made for? What does God want me to do? How do I add value? All this stuff. It's like, okay, quick thing. First thing, and I'm going to preach, Josh. You gave Let's me permission, it. so I'm going to go ahead and preach. All right. The first thing God tells you about you is that you are made to be like him. Mm. In Genesis chapter one, the first thing God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so in the image of God created he him. And it's like, what do we know about God in Genesis chapter one? And we know that he's the creator. 
And I'm not talking about evolution versus non-evolution six days. I'm just saying, well, however you want to make that argument, side subject, here's the story to tell you about you and to tell you about him. Here's the story. You're made to be like him. And what do we know about him? He's creator. So what does that tell us about you? That you were made to create. Here's a little secret that all you entrepreneurs know, and, and many people who are not entrepreneurs because you've never thought about it don't know, is that value is created. That's why there's not a limited supply. That's, not, that's why when I make $10, I haven't taken $10 from the total available supply because you can literally create value. Somebody's like, well, what should I, Josh, they're all, I see entrepreneurs do this all the time, especially in early stage. They're like, but Joe, what should I do? Like, what should I create value around? And so I go back to the story. It's like, okay, if you're made to be a creator, by the way, human beings are the only creators on the planet. Like monkeys don't create, dogs don't create, like no, no other creature creates. We're the only creator in creation. Okay. Now, what do, what do we create? We create symphonies. We create music. We create computers and iPads. We create poems and biographies. And we create all kinds of stories, Josh. Yeah, stories. Woohoo for stories. Um, we create all kinds of stuff, right? And it's like, so everybody's like, well, what do I create? So here's my question back to you. If we're made to be like him, what did God create? The answer is God, God <laughs> created worlds. Mm. And you're like, yeah, but I don't create worlds. Yes, you do. You created the world you live in. Mm. You created your own limitations by your belief and what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. You created your own frustrations and fear in the same way that I did. We all do. And so because, Josh, I believed in a world where I wasn't supposed to make a bunch of money and I was just supposed to make an impact, I created a world where I wasn't allowed to chase money to make my impact. Mm. By the way, I'm not a believer in chasing money. I don't chase it. I create it. But nevertheless, like that's the world I believed in. And guess what? Because that's the world I believed in, Josh, that's the world I lived in. Yep. Who created yep. it? You did. Yep. Who created your world, everyone? You do with your beliefs. I, you know, it's interesting. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on this one. So I always say that we live in three realities and the physical one is the only one that's limited by time. There's a spiritual reality, there's a mental reality, and there's a physical reality. Okay. okay. So the spiritual reality is you're in the spiritual realm, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spiritual, which is the most powerful. Spiritual reality, is that, is that limited by time in any way, shape, or form? No, mm -hmm. not limited by time. There's no time. There's infinite, right? Mental. Mm -hmm. Can I imagine... Right, this is the battle of of self, right? So one is the battle of God, right? You and spiritual. One is the battle of self, and the mental game. Can you imagine things? Can you think about things? Can you see a reality in the future in my head? Yeah. So does it have any limitation on time? No, none. Right. And then there's the third reality, which is the world, physical reality. It's my, a reality with other people, right? So re reality with God, reality with self, reality with other people, right? Mm -hmm. The only one that is limited by time is the reality with other people, right? Reality upon which this, this. And what's interesting is that the last reality, the reality with other people, is always, because it's bound by time, always the slowest, right? It's the last to catch up. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to build my own reality, and I've gotten in arguments with people that are like, you can't build your own reality. Reality is reality. I'm like, is it though? 
right? Because mm -hmm. here's the deal. Is my spiritual reality the same as your spiritual reality? Right. It's not. No. Is my mental reality the same as your mental reality? No. Those are worlds, mm -hmm. right? So yep. I'm going to go yep. create my own reality spiritually. I'm going to go create my own reality mentally. And then once I get so clear spiritually, once I get so ridiculously clear on what my reality there is going to look like, then I'm going to line up myself, my own personal battle, because then I got to wrestle with that to make that. The, then the world, I can change the world to align up with that because the spiritual reality, first reality, most important. And that is what we're talking about when it comes to worlds is you're going to go and design this world out here, but you're trying to change the physical reality before you change the reality in your head and before you change the reality with your relationship with God or the higher spirit, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, if you have a terrible relationship with, like, if you're mad at God about money, I mean, come on, right? You got, I was, I've been there. I lived it. Yeah. Right. If you got a problem with God, if you got a problem with yourself about money, there's no way you're going to have it in the physical world. And that's the last world. Well, that's why Jesus said things like, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes, which is either the words of a crazy man or the greatest man who ever lived. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's insane, right? You, you'll yeah. say to the mountain, be thou removed. And you're like, well, oh, come on, Jesus. Like, this is where I was. I was like, come on, Jesus. You can't, you, 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 no one's moved a mountain. And then I, like, now I realize, oh my gosh, people move mountains all the time. Yep. Like, why, like whenever we want to build a road to a mountain, we move the mountain. How do we do it? Well, we believe enough to invent things like dynamite. We believe enough to build trucks and stuff that will carry the rocks away. We believe enough to start the boring company, Elon Musk, right? To move the mountain out of our way to go to wherever we want to. We move mountains. Why? Because we believe we can. And so the lack of belief is like you were saying, Josh, is the first thing that stops us. And ultimately that lack of belief is because you don't believe you are who God said you are. A creator. You're a creator. Yep. And that means you can create worlds. You do create worlds. Whether you, and even if you don't believe you create worlds, it's okay because that's the world you created. It's a world where you don't believe that. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So watch this. So watch this. So now it's like, okay, so this is where the entrepreneur struggles. It's like, okay, Joe what does God want me to create? Yep. And I'm like, wrong question. Cause he mm. already answered that. And I spent 10 years struggling with that. And that's what stopped me from making the impact I wanted to make. Because I believe I was waiting on a message in the sky, a burning bush, a tornado, a wind hurricane, or some biblical event to happen for me to know what I should create. Wait, you mean you're not, the, I'm not the only one that goes out on a walk and is like, God, if you really wanted me to do something, Something would, a plane would fly across the sky right now and paint a message or some bird would start talking to me, right? right? I'm not the only one that does that. <laughs> right, right. So many, especially religious people do this. And, and here's what they do. That, they, I, can I, I'm going to help somebody here, but it's going to hurt your feelings. Not Josh's feelings. Your hurt, hurt my feelings. It's all right. You can, you can hurt mine. Here, here, here it is. Many of us are waiting on God to tell us what to do. We're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us. Because God already told you what to do. Yep. I'm going to say that again. God already told you what to do. When? First sentence he ever spoke. He said, be fruitful. So you're like, wait, I'm a creator. I'm supposed to produce something. And you're like, but God, do I create banana trees or should I do apples or should I do oranges? Or would it be okay? I mean, I really need you to. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, look at the story. If you're made to be like him, what world did he create? Here's the answer. And you won't like this answer, but it's just the answer. What world did he create? Answer? The world he wanted to. Mm. What world should you create? The world you want to. And if God needs to talk to you and tell you you're going the wrong direction, can I just say, 
he's capable. <laughs> but until then, do what he said at step one. Be like, could you imagine, Josh? It would be the most annoying thing in the world to have an employee where you're like, hey, I want you to go do XYZ thing. And then they come back every five minutes and they want you to tell them every single detail. Okay. Oh, you want me to throw a party? Awesome. Would it be okay if I did orange crush or do you prefer like orange Fanta? You want ice or no ice? What color should the cups be? Should we have tables or no? Where should it? I don't want that in somebody that's working with me. I want somebody I can say, go create a killer event. And they have the ability, the maturity, the strength, the internal fortitude to just go create a great party. And when I walk in the door, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And now, now and think about this. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that exact same scenario. Now imagine you, I'm going to use you as the employer, yep. right? I want you okay. to imagine you, Joe, have mm -hmm. literally, you, you are the United States government. You have unlimited money. You have unlimited money, unlimited resources. You have unlimited assets. You literally, anything that you want or whatever. And now you go and you go to that person and you say, they don't, by the way, you even tell them that you have unlimited money, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go to them and you say, I have unlimited money. I have unlimited resources. Go throw a party. Literally unlimited. It's impossible to use it all. You can throw the most extravagant party on the face of the planet. You get every single party. I can afford it. No problem, right? Go throw the party. And then they still are like, but, but, but how? Like, what do you want? But like, is this right? Is this right? That's what God just did to us, right? God's like, hey, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own everything, right? You do it, I will provide. You need it, I will give it to you, right? Follow me, do what I tell you, do, I'll give it to you. And we're sitting here, and me personally, and I go, but God, what if Bitcoin goes in half, mm. right? But God, what if, yeah. what if the economy crashes, mm -hmm. right? But God, what if my scare, you know, what if what? And it's like, God's like, I own it all. Yeah. All of it, every piece, forever, eternity, infinite. And you're worried about mm -hmm. the stock market or you're worried about the economy or you're worried about blood. And we don't take action because we're limited once again by our own belief. It's crazy. It's crazy. Belief. Everybody say it to yourself. Belief. It all comes back to that. By the way, like when I teach people, I, I haven't even shared this yet, but like Eileen and I help people do million dollar days, like mm. on the regular. Six figure days. Told you he like, was legit, young. guys. Okay. <laughs> right. And it's like, um, we teach this all the time in our events, but there's really only two things you need to succeed. And the two things you need to succeed are belief and skill mm. and skill can be borrowed. And so mm. it's like Jesus said, it all comes back to belief because what you really believe you'll actually do. As a matter of fact, the test of whether you believe something is if you do it, if you don't do it, you don't really believe it. Right? Yeah. Well, so Byron like, Golden said that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We talked so about like when you get on a plane. And, and it all comes back to belief. So what should we believe about ourselves? And the answer is believe that you're a creator and you can make what you want to make. So what do you want to make? And that's where we get stuck because we're like, uh. It comes back to where we said at the beginning. What do you want? And it's, it's almost like this fear factor where it's like, is it okay for me to want? Mm. And it's like, guys, the world, look at the world that we live in. Like Josh, God could have made a world where I see in black and white, but I see colors mm. and they're so pretty. Yeah. God could have made a world where everything was one tone, but I hear different levels of notes and I can hear music and sounds. God could have made a world where we just eat, but there was no flavor. 
but there's variations and there's salt and tangy and there's sweet and there's all this stuff. And it's like, that is not required for life. But yet he makes a world of abundance where I get to enjoy the mm. pleasures of levels, right? And if like, if that doesn't tell you that it's okay for you to have pleasure and joy and blessing, like, come on, what are we talking about here? Where are we getting stuck? So it's like, make the world you want. And if God has something to say about it, he is capable of communicating it. Until then, go back to step one, which is be fruitful. Produce something of value in the world. But what? You're the creator. It literally doesn't matter. Yeah. Pick something. Yeah, and it's interesting. Because the reality is like... No, go for it. I think people look for the secret thing as entrepreneurs, Josh. They're like, oh, but sh- but is mouses a better thing or are pens a better thing or are keyboards or should I produce books? And they're like, what's the best thing? And it's like, no, 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 no. You can build a multi-million dollar business out of almost anything. Like a million dollars is so like there's people doing million dollar businesses building chicken coops. Yep. Like, well, and it's interesting too. Uh, I think it was Russell. Yeah. Russell Brunson who talked about this or whatever. It's like sometimes sometimes we know what we want to do, right? There's a, there's a small select few of people that are like, I'm called to do this thing, right? Uh, Elon Musk, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to build PayPal. I'm going to change the world with electric cars or whatever, right? And then what do I, what does he do? If he knows what his thing is, like, I've got this thing. Now I've got to go find the people upon which I can sell on this idea that will give me money for it, right? And that's like a small percentage of people. I think we think that successful people, most successful people start with that. And I would say like a very, 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 very small percentage of super successful people actually start with this idea of like, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go find the people, right? Instead, what you go do, if you want to be successful, you want to know like, what do I do? What do I create? What do I go do? Here's what Russell says, right? And I'm sure it's biblical somewhere. It's go find the person you want to serve, right? You go start with the person. Now you go, what problem do they have? So now think about this, right? I will go back to the whole, maybe you want to help the person in need. Maybe you want to help the single mother. Maybe you want to help the, what, cool. What problem do they have? What problem do they have that they are willing to pay for? That they are literally like, I need the solution because I would rather have your solution. It would make my life better than this 20 bucks, right? I would much rather have this because that's the only thing it is, right? Listen, do I want this 20 bucks? No, I want what this 20 bucks will buy me. Right, I want the idea behind this. So I go and I say, hey, what do I want more? Do I want this? So cool, you want to help the single mom find a problem that they have that when you go and you solve that and it's like, oh my gosh, you have solved something. It is so worth beyond what I can imagine $20. Here it is. Boom. Now, what are you doing? You are fruitful. You are providing value to the world and you get to serve the person that you want to serve. Did you come up with a million dollar idea? I mean, yeah, but like you didn't start with the million dollar idea. You started with who is it that I'm called to serve? Beautiful. Yeah. Are we helping you guys? Like, is this helping you guys shifting a little bit? All right. So back, back oh, so many, so many, there, there's like the story that with Jesus and the talents that I want to go to, and there's like Genesis I want to go to. But at the end of the day, like I, the shift for me came, Josh, um, but I, w- was when I was standing broke. We, mm. we gave up on the nonprofit. We ran out yeah, of Yeah, money. come back to that because I, I want to hear this part. Yeah, go. I was so tired and exhausted and so mad at God for not giving me money and dropping it from the sky that I was like, I'm done. I have no energy left. I've given everything I know to give. I was suicidal. Like I I literally contemplated Mm. suicide. The only reason I didn't is because if I would have done it, I was at a hotel and I would have left my three kids and my wife alone, broke and homeless in a hotel. And I was like, I'm not a big enough loser to do that. Like Mm. 
I'm going to fight for them. And it was all over this belief that there was a lack, that God had left me with lack, that God had abandoned me with nothing. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I wanted to give the middle finger to heaven, but I never did. I never cursed God, but I, I wanted to. And I was like, I don't get it. This world sucks. I don't like this God. So I'm done. I'm moving to Florida and I'm going to figure out money. That's what I was like, like legit, legit. I just got to figure out money. And for me, Josh, as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, but do I still want to change the world? Mm. Do I still want to like alleviate suffering in the lives of other people? And because it had cost me so much, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, I had been through so much pain around it. And it took me a few months of thinking about that before I said, yeah, even if God. But, but, but I bet, I bet you were way less excited that. about it, though. Oh, right? yeah. I knew what it was going to cost me. But I was like, even if God, because I, I was convinced that God did not care about humanity. Because if he did, he would have gave me the money to help those kids. I was always okay. I wasn't mad at him for my situation. I was mad at him because we couldn't help the kids we were called to serve. We mm -hmm. always ended up having enough. We always, I mean, we never stayed the night, right? Anywhere but inside the hotel. I never had to sleep in the car. I never had to sleep on the street. It always ended up working out for me. But one time I did have to ask my father-in-law for money, and that was the lowest of low. Because when you got to call your father-in-law and say, I'm not taking care of your Yeah, daughter. I can't take care of your daughter. Like, like I'm literally, if you don't send me alone, like we're sleeping on the streets tonight. That is not, okay? That was the low point. And... So I'm like, I decided, Josh, I'm like, I, I want to make a difference. And I also realize if I want to make a difference, I'm going to have to figure out money. Even if God isn't going to help me, then I'm going to do it myself. It was my <laughs> way of like, in your face, God, I'm going to help people other anyways. Right. And so I knew I had to figure out money. And so we moved to Florida and I find myself broke with less than $20 in my pocket, standing in a books a million store, reading a book by Tim Ferriss. <laughs> And I couldn't, the reason I'm standing in the bookstore and reading it is because it's $28. I couldn't afford to, go buy the book. to take it out. So I'm just standing inside of the store reading it, right? And I'll never oh, forget, man. by the way, don't, I, look, if Tim Ferriss, if you're listening, like great book, but to be honest, I only read, like, I didn't even get to the pages where they're numbered. I just read the Roman numeral pages. This is as far as I got in the book, like that far, <laughs> like a couple pages. And he was talking about what makes people different, Josh. Like what, how do like, what is it? Tactics, routines, and habits of billionaires, icons, and world-class performers. How do these people operate at such a high level? That was Tim Ferriss's question. And he was interviewing Peter Thiel. You guys know who Peter mm. Thiel is? Like, started multiple. Dude, his book Zero to One is so good. So good. So good. And it's like, this guy keeps finding early stage entrepreneurs that go to billion dollar valuations. And it's like doing it once you could get lucky doing it as many times as he is. He's, he knows something we don't know. He yep. understands something we don't understand. So Tim Ferriss, here I am standing in the bookstore, Josh. And this is the moment because I'm reading this and I'm interested, right? And he's like, how Peter Thiel do you think differently than everyone else that allows you to keep producing these billion dollar companies? And Peter Thiel says, well, he's like most people, he's like, Tim, do you have a 10 year goal? How many of you have a 10 year goal where you're like, okay, in 10 years, I'd like to be making about this much per month, right? Just to use entrepreneurship as an example. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, well, I don't have a 10 year goal, but you know, what would be awesome is if I could make a hundred thousand dollars a month. That was my number then, Josh, this is 2015. If I could make a hundred thousand dollars a month. Oh my gosh. 
in 10 years. That would be awesome. That's 1.2 million a year. Like, oh, that's more money than I could possibly imagine, especially since I was making less than $2,000 per month at the time. I'm like, that would be so cool. Like so I'm listening 50 to this guy. Says, if I could go 50X yes. in 10 years, yeah, that exactly. would be amazing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I'm like, that would be amazing. And then Peter Thiel is talking and I'm reading it. And he's like, most people are like, well, if I want to make 100000 a month, this is how the, most of the world thinks because they think in scarcity. They're like, oh, well, if next year I can make 8000 and then the year after that I can make 12000 and then the year after that I can make 20000 And they think of like small leaps over long periods of time. And Peter Thiel goes, that's how everybody else thinks. He's like, here's how I think about it. If I have a 10-year goal, I ask myself this question. Here it is. If you have a 10-year plan of how to get somewhere, you should ask, what would it take to do it in six months? <laughs> and then he goes, for purposes of illustration, he says, what might you do to accomplish your 10-year goal in the next six months if you had a gun to your head? Oh, jeez. And let's, when I let's read make it, it a little Josh, bit more was, interesting, will we? Yes. I literally, like, I'm in Books A Million, and I... <laughs> Slam the book shut because sometimes we just try and get books done instead of actually trying to implement them mentally. Yeah. And I recognize this was a moment. I don't know how I recognize it. I thank God I did recognize it, but I slammed the book shut. I said, I'm not reading this book anymore. I'm going to answer this question. And I walked out of the bookstore and walked around that mall, the outdoor mall in Florida thinking, what would it take to do a hundred grand in six months? And it took me like 40 minutes, maybe. And I was like, if I had to, and I got dark, I was like, what if someone kidnapped my daughter? And the only way I get the money back, I get her is to pay the ransom, but the ransom's a hundred K. What would I do to make that money that fast? I can't borrow from friends. I can't do this. I can't do that. I got to make it. That's the rules. And when I asked him to ask that question, I had an answer, Josh, in 40 minutes. You know, some of you are afraid to ask the question. 40 minutes. I had spent 10 years jumping from thing to thing to thing. Oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to chase this little thing. I'm going to do that little thing. But when it really came down to it, in that moment, Josh, sitting in that books a million and asking this question and getting an answer, I did something I had never really done before. And so many millionaires and billionaires will tell you this. There's a moment in your life where you really make the decision. And in that moment, I decided to make a lot of money. Mm. I decided that I was really, really on the for real, for real, as they say in the text emojis, 100, <laughs> I was going to do it. <laughs> right? And so as soon as I really decided I was going to do it, it took me less than an hour to come up with the plan. How many years had I spent before that dilly-dallying about the decision, dilly-dallying, jumping back from thing to thing, but when you really decide, see, we don't even understand what a decision is. Yeah. Because a decision, I learned this from Tim Ferriss too, a decision comes from the Latin word, and the Latin word for decision is incision. And we all know what incision means. Because if you go to the doctor, he's like, I want to make a slight incision. I'm like, whoa, back <laughs> it up, doc. You ain't cutting perfection. Back it up, right? There ain't no knife coming by this body unless you want to fight me, right? Because it's an incision. An incision means to cut, to cut. So decision, D is just a prefix that means off. 
So a decision means to cut off. To cut off what? See, this is why we struggle to make decisions. Because when you really make a decision, you don't just decide to do one things. One thing, you've also decided not to yep. do an infinite number of other things. Dang. And when you make the decision, you intuitively understand that you've lost the opportunity. This is where the mind goes to do all the infinite number of other things you could do by deciding to do one that, and this is the paradox. It's only by deciding that you can actually move forward. If you try to do all the things, you, you, lack of focused attention and all that stuff, it's like, ultimately you're always going to have to cut off. And even if you decided to do three things, you have to still cut off an infinite number of things to focus the mind and attention to just produce that one thing. And that comes from a place of lack. That comes from a place of fear of loss. When you're too afraid to make a decision because you're afraid of all the opportunities, I'm talking to entrepreneurs now because normal people, they can't even see opportunity. Entrepreneurs right, right, see right. infinite opportunity. And so we struggle to cut it off, which is another way of saying we struggle to decide yep. because we see opportunity everywhere. But you must decide. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's such that's so powerful. I remember Tony Robbins. Um, there was a clip from him. He's like, some people think, you know, oh, it takes years and years and years to change, right? And he goes, BS, lies. You can change in an instant, like the absolute instant. You can change your entire life. But he's like, but most people will go through years and years and years of pain and go little by little by little by, until they get to the point where they make the decision to change and turn their life around. But you do it in a second, in an instant. You make the decision. That's what you're talking about right there. It's like that moment where you go, I decide. There's no question. And I know for me, one of the most powerful things, you know, I, I don't even remember the, the exact moment that I made the decision. But I, I remember, I think back to when I had a job and all I wanted, right? People are like, you know, you got to know where you're going. You got to know to goal. I, I truly believe this. I believe lack of a vision, lack of a very clear understanding of what you're trying to accomplish is the single most crippling thing that you can do as, an, as anyone, but as an entrepreneur, right? And that yep. could be simply moving away from pain, right? That could be the decision. I remember for yep. me, I was going to quit my job and work for myself. There was no, there wasn't a question. It was, there was no like, maybe it won't work out. There was no, maybe it will take you 10 years. There was no, it was, this is going to happen or I will literally die trying. I will go live on the street. Like this is going to happen, right? And you know what? Everyone, Leave. right? And listen to anyone that's listening that was an old friend or I have no hatred. I have no, this one. Everyone doubted me. Everyone thought I was crazy. There was like three people in my life and one of them I slept on their couch that didn't doubt me. That was like, yeah, he'll probably make it. And he thought I was nuts. He's like, yeah, he'll probably yeah. make it. And he was crazy too, right? Everybody thought they're like, okay, get a real job, go to college. I'll never forget, I, I, when I dropped out of college, one of my best friends at the time literally came to me and asked me, he's like, my parents and I are worried about you. Are you okay? Do you know what you're doing, right? When I dropped out of college. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Do I know what? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go work for myself. Like to me, it was just a fact. To them, it was like, this is impossible. Decision, mm -hmm. right? And like when you have that amount of clarity, when you have that amount of certainty, right? And for me, it was just moving away from pain. I'm like, boss ain't going to tell me what to do, right? That was it. I just yep. wanted to be done. And at that point, it was like, when you have that level of confidence and that level of certainty, 
that is when, when you read books like The Obstacle is the Way or Every Failure is a Learning Experience, when you don't have that, you're like, that's BS. What are you talking about? This is going to prevent me. But when you have absolute certainty, you're like, oh, this is just going to move me one closer to my goal. How do I fix this problem? How do I overcome? How do I use it for good? How? Because you're like, I know exactly where I'm going. Yep. Yeah. Gosh, that's you're, powerful, dude. You're, you're a creator and you were made to create. And are there obstacles for the farmer trying to create? Yes. Does the farmer sow seed that doesn't sprout? Yes. Right. Does everything that you do work? No. Right. It's like, but that's like, you can see it in something as simple as the farmer. And you get and the so promise of God. This is one of the things that I've been, you know, uh, we haven't even talked about the craziness of America. We probably won't get there today, but like, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world today. There's a lot of uncertainty going on today. Right. And, uh, you know, for me, it's always nice Can to I be just say a lot of that uncertainty, Josh, though, is because people don't know who they are and who they were made 100%, to be. 100%. What, like when you're saying, I like when you look at the world and you're looking to the White House to solve your problems, it's like you're, you're, everything's based on what someone else is doing. And it's like, I'm responsible for me. I'm a creator. And you know what? If someone attacks me, look at my shirt. That's why I train, right? I'm going to handle my business. Right? I do MMA too. I'm an amateur MMA fighter. But it's like, it doesn't, like whatever the world is going to do to me, it's like, I am not going to live in a victim mentality. I'm going to live in the mentality that I am a creator. I'm going to create the world I want. I recognize there's going to be opposition. I recognize there's going to be people who are going to hate me. I recognize there's people that's going to work against me. And despite all that, here's what I'm going to do. Win. And Yes. And we have... The, mo the promise of God behind us. And this is the this is what I was going with it. My, my wife and I, we read, uh, you know, obviously I do devotions and, you know, things of that nature, but like we read the proverb of the day right before going to bed every night, right? Hmm. So most of the time it's, I'm literally laying in bed and I'm on my phone, you know, pull up the Bible app or something and I'll, you know, I'll read it. And it's interesting when you, and, and sometimes the Psalms too, but when you read the Psalms and the Proverbs, just of the day, which, by the way, for those of you that aren't religious, for those of you that are religious and don't do this, you want to know one of the simplest ways to start understanding God and the promises of God and how to live well? Read the problem of the Psalm of the day every single day. Like the simplest thing, it'll take you 10 minutes, right? Every single day, it'll change your life, right? But when you know- I mean, it's what, written by the richest guy who ever lived, so right. it probably has some good entrepreneurial Right, the proverb of Solomon, the son, the son of David, right? <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because what you find in there is not only is God very black and white on things, right? Everyone's like, the world's not black and white. I'm like, listen, the world is not all black and white, but let's start with what is, right? <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's start there and work our way in. And what's interesting is you'll notice there are so many verses in the Bible about the promises of God to those that follow him, right? And the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise is that he will always be there, that the righteous will never know hunger, that the righteous will never know lack, that God will be there 100% of the time, that God takes care of his children, right? That the, those that walk in integrity walk in security. We just read this last night. Those that walk, those that walk in integrity walk in security. You literally have security in how you walk if you walk in integrity, right? And so you go and you start reading these things and you start understanding these promises. And, you know, my, one of the things that I'm really big on is being fearless, right? I'm like, I'm fearless, man. What, what are you, you going to do to me? Kill me? Awesome. I get to go to Jesus. Like, you think I'm worried about death, right? Like, you think the death is the worst possible thing that could happen to you. And I'm like, you kill me. That is the best possible thing you can do. Our worlds are not the same, right? right so it's like, right. but, but why, are you, why can you be fearless? And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about why can you be fearless? You can be fearless because you know that you have a God behind you that literally is like, I will literally never leave you or forsake you.
I will literally get all good things come to my children. You will, if you walk in integrity, if you walk in truth, you have nothing to fear, right? And if you have, when you have that level of certainty behind you, and then God's like, Here, here's what God does, right? He's like, hey, hey, by the way, hey, Josh, hey, Joe, I created you in my image. You are a creator. You have infinite possibility and decision. Go make a decision and do something. Be fruitful, multiply, and inherit the earth. And oh, by the way, if you follow me, you literally have nothing to fear. And here's a credit card with an unlimited, unlimited balance on it. Just believe it's going to come and it'll happen. Go. Mm -hmm. And we're like, but Joe Biden, right? But whatever, <laughs> right? Right? And I'm guilty of it too, by the way, right? Like, I, I'm just as But it's like when you have that perspective, you start, yeah. it's, it, it makes you realize, at least for me, it, it makes me realize like how small my faith really is at times, right? Because when God's like, it takes the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain. And I'm like, dang, I don't even have the faith of a mustard seed most days. Isn't that crazy? I think when people hear you say that, Josh, like when you say like, I'm God, I've got an unlimited credit card, here you go. My response, especially in my moments of frustration, I believe like I heard that and my belief about what that meant was like, OK, hey, God, uh, I need you to drop two million in my bank account. Like right now we're buying a twenty one million dollar uh, hotel and it's like we're, I'm going to raise about probably about six million dollars in capital from investors and, and, and put a like syndicate a deal. And it's awesome. yeah, yeah. anyways, right. And so we're doing this thing. And it's like. I'm not like, okay, God, I need $6 million dropping in my account. And it's like, you know, I've got faith. And if I squeeze my hands really hard, it's all just going to like bling appear in my account. It's like, no, 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 no. Like what we're saying is, is like, I love what you said. I tell my kids, we have an unfair advantage because we know the rules of the game. Yep. And everyone else, if they don't believe what's been spoken, doesn't know the rules of the game. They got to kind of come at them from, and many people find it. it doesn't mean you need God or need to believe in God in order to live by the rules of the game. But once you determine what the rules of the game are, it's way easier because you know how to play. And so there's, there's little rules that, that have to be followed. One of them like that I didn't follow. And the reason why I would go to God and be like, okay, remember that credit card Josh Forty was talking about God dropping in my bank account now. And it's like, no, no, no. What Josh, when I actually started making money and we moved into our first mansion, I was like, I ain't trying to flex about the first mansion. I'm actually in my second mansion now, but the I say that <laughs> I'm not trying to flex. To... Let me flex again. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason why is this is I wanted to prove to my kids that if they trusted the principles of God and they actually live by them, that they could create any world they want. I wanted to prove to my kids what I'm trying to prove to your audience right now. And that is you can make whatever world you want and that you are actually called and made to make a better world. And the way you make a better world is by adding value to the rest of the world. And the more value you add, the more blessings you receive. Mm. And so in my, when we moved into my first mansion, I'll say it again. I, I had an event coming. We were going to do a mastermind at the mansion to teach other entrepreneurs how I had like went from literally broken homeless to hundred K plus months. Okay. I haven't even gotten to get to that story yet, but nevertheless, I did it. And I'm like, how am I, how am I going to tell my story without telling people the spiritual journey of this? I don't feel like I could tell them without, because I didn't get money for money's sake. I got money for impact's sake. And I learned along the way, money is a part of the impact and God made the world operate that way. Yep. And I was trying to work in the world the way I wanted it to be instead of the way that he made it to be. So you got to live 
by the principles. And if you don't live by the principles, your life sucks and you struggle. Yep. And so I'm sitting there in my master bathroom and I, I started crying, bro. I broke down crying, prepping for this event. And I'm like, it had been years. So it had been three or four years of trying to figure out the money game and entrepreneurship and all that. And I finally, quote unquote, made it by other people's standards, not by my own. And I'm crying and I'm like, God, I still don't get it. Why? Why'd you leave those kids there? Why didn't you help them? Why didn't you give me the money? Why didn't you like slide that credit card in the sky and give me everything I needed to make that happen? And I was still angry with him. I was still mad. And I said this and I was like, God, I did everything you told me to do. Mm. And I'm telling you, if there was a moment God spoke to me in my life, it was that moment. Because mm. like a voice, it was just in my head. I don't know what to say. You guys can call me crazy saying I heard from God, but I, God spoke to me in that moment. I'm just going to say it. And God was like, so I'm like, God, I did everything you told me to do. And God spoke back and he said, you didn't even do the first sentence. Mm. And I went, like, I got scared real quick, Josh, because that was weird. And I was like, what? And I'm like, I'm like, like, what's the first sentence? And I had to like run back and like, what's the first thing? And I had been listening to like Myron Golden and Jordan Peterson and some others. Jordan Peterson has this awesome session, by the way, on Genesis. He yeah. did this whole lecture on it. And it had my mind thinking from different directions about what we were made for and blah, 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 and our purpose and all this stuff. And I go back and I look and it's the first sentence God ever spoke, like we shared earlier, was be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Those are the four. Mm. That was the first, like, that's the first sentence he spoke to Adam, right? Yeah, yeah. To, like when he yeah. made man, I mean, yeah. imagine that God makes the entire universe. He creates this whole ecosystem with us in mind. We're the only ones made in his image, right? I, I always have this imagery when I think about that moment. And by the way, we're the only one that God actually bends down to the ground and forms us from the dust and then takes his own breath and breathes into us humanity, right? In the story. And it's like, you got to imagine, and it's said in other places in the book that the angels were like, you know, yeah. ask each other, like, what is he doing? Like, I've never, they haven't seen him operate in this way in all of creation. And they're looking and they're probably like shoving past to try and get like, what's he, what's he like, what's he making? What's it, who, what's it look like? And they're trying to get a view of it. And I just, I just see them trying to push past one another. And finally, like Adam takes that first breath and the angels are like, you know, and one of the angels turns around like, who is it? What's it look like? What is it? And he goes, well, it looks, it looks like, well, it looked, and he's, flabbergasted and he's like well it looks like him like him who it's like him him <laughs> right and it's like that special creation mm. what's he gonna say first yeah no kidding like when i had my daughter the first time i held my my, my daughter's my firstborn first time i held my held her in my arms i didn't say anything for a while because I wanted whatever I said to her to be meaningful. Mm. It was like this special moment, right? And you think about that, and you think of all God did with creating the universe and the stars and the whole ecosystem and everything that happens to create this world that the ones he was going to make in his image, different than the angels, different than anything else he had made, what will he say first? And his decision for the first thing to say is, 
be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, Josh, we're always like, oh, well, that's like have sex and reproduce kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Which I believe that too. I mean, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now we're talking about sex religion in my oh, yeah, no, just everybody. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I, well, I guess sex is okay to talk about in the world today, right? Yeah, in today's they've, world. They've, yes. they've ruined that. Uh, we, won't, we won't go down that path. We won't go down yeah. that path. Yeah. But, 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 um, yeah. So, so when, I heard that voice back. I had to ask the question, well, what does that mean? And we've already kind of been over be fruitful. Be fruitful is like decide what you're going to produce that's valuable. But what's the difference between being fruitful and multiplying? Mm. And when you think about it, it's very easy to see. It's like a, a, a farmer understands it. Fruitfulness is like, Josh, what I can produce from my own efforts. So early entrepreneurs will talk about this as the hustle and grind. <laughs> right? And they're like toiling and doing as much work as they possibly can to produce something valuable, fruit. And what do they do with the fruit? They don't eat it all. They trade it for dollars so they can mm -hmm. buy other things that other fruitful people in the world are producing. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the more people that are being fruitful in the world, the, the better the world is. Thank yep. God for Thank Macs. God. Thank God for iPhones, right? Thank, no, let me change that. Thank people for Macs. Thank people for iPhones because they, they were fruitful. Mm. but and, and it's interesting it's interesting i just looked up the definition of fruitful here and obviously there's there's different definitions right but mm -hmm. uh one of them is producing good or helpful results productive so like we have productivity journals productivity planners when we want fruit at the grocery store we go to the produce department right it the whole idea of being a productive person comes from this first sentence Yep. Fruitful, producing good or helpful results. Mm. Now, the question is, is like what most people do in their lives. And, and let me say something polarizing here, guys, put your, put your, get into your safe spaces. If you need them, I'm going to say something challenging here. Many people right now are crying and I'll speak specifically to entrepreneurs, um, but many people are crying and bemoaning the fact and they're spending a lot of time trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, gas prices are so high. And they are. And yeah, I think it's Biden's fault. But nevertheless, like if we, if most of the world spent as much time worrying about how to produce more, instead of moaning and complaining about how high gas prices are, they won't affect you. Because I can tell you when I go to the gas pump, I don't look and it doesn't affect my life. It would <laughs> have, it used to, right? But it doesn't now because it's it's not even a it's not even a rounding error. That has zero impact on my life. Now, do I feel pain for the people who are struggling with that? Sure, all those things. But here's the reality: if our focus is on production, we'll never have to worry about the expenses. You know, it's interesting when you say that. Um, there's a verse in the Bible. I think we just read it last night, actually, and it said um, something like, "The diligent will never go hungry." something like that right but the it hands of the diligent will be made fat it says which i've, I've experienced some of that too because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, i got so much to eat right food isn't a cost anymore i don't know how much it costs for us to buy food i have no idea like because it's it's a rounding error here 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 you go um a so this is proverbs 10 so this was yesterday's proverb of the day i'm going to tell you the two verses the first one's about this one right a slack hand causes poverty Mm. but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Okay. 
If you're diligent, you work hard, solve problems, you're going to be made rich. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son. He who sleeps in the harvest is the son who brings shame. So, hands of the don't make rich. And then going back, for all you want to look it up, Proverbs 10, read it. It's a great proverb. Whoever walks, this is verse 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes God speaks in code. And then there's sometimes when he's just like, I don't know how much more clear I can make it for you. Right? And it's like, be diligent and you will be made rich. Yep. Hello. Right? And like, don't get me wrong. I hate the gas prices. And I'm very, very blessed to be in the situation where I'm like you, where when I go to the right. gas station, I just fill it. I get whatever. It could be 10 bucks a gallon. I mean, I'm like, whatever. I got to, who cares, right? But it sucks. It really does. It's, it's, it's comparatively to what we had, right? And, and what we could, where we could be at. But it's like. I get it. But if I could shift everyone's thinking to focusing on producing. Right. Instead of the cost to produce, your life would be infinitely better. Right. And you can go infinitely up, but you can't infinitely reduce. Right. You can go to zero, right? So it's. Tony Robbins talks about this, right? I was just watching an interview with him uh, yesterday. Uh, he was on Logan Paul's podcast, which crazy, crazy mashup, right? But he was there and he's like, every single person can control what they focus on. Every single person can control the meaning that that focus has, right? And it's like, you go and you look at it. Okay, let's focus on the gas prices. Are you going to focus on positive? Or you can focus on negative of it. What meaning are you going to determine to that, right? Because guess what? If you go out there and you look at it, I'm just going to use gas prices as an example. Once again, I hate the gas prices and hate Joe Biden just as strong as anybody else. If you don't believe me, go to my Facebook profile, all right? There is not very many people that are as outspoken as Josh Forty when it comes to politics, right? But at the same time, I can choose to look at it and go, dang, life sucks. Man, all these things. Man, I'm poor. Man, I'm never going to make it. Man, I'm... Or I can go and be like, cool. Man, gas prices are going up. Guess that means my prices are going up too. Guess that means I'm going to have to produce more value. Guess I'm going to help have more people make more money. Guess I'm going to have to make sure that... And I can use that as fuel, right? And Ooh. when you go and you shift that perspective, and when you go and you start to see everything as a tool, right? Pain. Like, listen, I'm not saying pain help people make the best decisions but i know that some of the greatest results in my life came from a place of pain preach right yeah. like and that'll get you to move right and so when you go and when you look at that and when you see that it is a matter of what do we focus what's the meaning that we attach to it what are we going to do about it right and i think that's what you're saying here coming back to that it's like hey listen you go to the gas pump you go look at the world today or whatever and you have the decision to make am i going to be less Am I going to be smaller? Am I going to worry? Am I going to produce less? Or am I going to say this? I'm going to be fruitful, produce value, and am I going to multiply? Yeah. So that, and so by the way, fruitfulness is just stage one. Yep. And most of the world gets stuck there. And so all of your effort is based on time and effort expended. And so the trees, right? Toil, right? They're doing all kinds of things on the ground, grabbing the nutrients, all the kind of things that it's whatever a tree does to produce fruit. That's the work the tree does. And most people are dependent on effort to produce outcomes. And that, but that's only stage one. God didn't stop at be fruitful. And many people stop there. Like I have my job, whatever I'm money fruitful. I make, I make Joe, Joe, I'm not like you. I'm on a quote unquote fixed income. Well, you just gave yourself an identity based on a circumstance. Yep. 
I don't give myself identity. My circumstances do not define my identity. My identity will inform my circumstances. That was good. Somebody should write it down. Yeah, for okay. real. So now so if my identity <laughs> is like, I'm a creator. If I believe what God told me now, I'm like, okay, well, God told me I'm a creator. And he also told me how to create. He said, first, use all your efforts, expend your energy and decide and produce something valuable that the world will trade you for. But what's level two? Level two is multiply. Mm. And the question is, how do I multiply? And it's so simple to multiply. What do we do to multiply? If, if you were an apple farmer and you produce, you had one apple tree, what would you do to build your wealth? Well, the answer is you would reinvest the fruit as seed. And some of you live in so much scarcity that you're unwilling to risk the fruit that you work so hard for to produce a multiple, which is, by the way, the same thing that happened to the man with one talent in the story yep. we shared earlier. Because notice what he said. It, it happened. He says it four times, Josh, in that story. You want to learn how to make money? Just listen to Jesus. He taught us how to make all the money we ever need. It's like, how did he do it? Look, what did he say? He said, Josh, you still have it. You still have it in front of you. He yeah, said, I, yeah, I, I knew you were a hard man representing yep. God yep. who who gathers where he not scattered seed and reaps where he has not sown. Yep. That's what the guy said. Then the Lord says back to the guy who didn't produce, you knew me to be a hard man who gathered where he not scattered seed and reap where he... So it's four times that he says the same thing. What's the message there? This guy is afraid to put capital at risk. Yep. He's afraid to lose. By the way, if you read the story with Jesus, the man with five talents who doubles, and by the way, that's the man with the most ability. So God gives to each man according to his ability. So if you have something, you have the ability to multiply it. I'll say that again. If you have something, you have the ability to multiply it. Watch what happens. The man with five, it's the only one of the three. There's a man with five, there's a man with two, and there's a man with one. Five, two, one. The man with five, read the story. What's it say? It says he went quickly and multiplied. Yep. Quickly. What does that infer? It infers that the man with five, he was the man of the greatest ability because he got the yep. most amount of capital. He wasn't scared. Right. It's verse 16. He who had received, by the way, for those that want to look this up, this is Matthew 25, right? Verse 16, yep. right? Uh, well, I'll start from the beginning. In verse 15, it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He had received the first talents, went at once and traded with them. And he made five more yep. talents. So also he who had two talents made two more talents, but he who had received one talent went, dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Okay, so pause right there. Notice the contrast. The man with five goes at once. Why? Because what did he have? What ability is God celebrating in this story? And the answer is he's celebrating the ability to multiply. To multiply. Yep. And that is probably, notice he uses, he uses the word ability too, Josh, because some people are like, yeah, but Joe, that ain't me. I'm not quote unquote good with money. I don't know how to blah, 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 blah. That, listen, that is not a question of identity. See, you gave yourself an identity based on a lack of a certain skill. Skill or ability is not an identity. Skill is learnable. Mm. I'm going to say that again. Skill is learnable. And so if you can learn the skill of multiplying, you can create a different identity.
And by the way, skillity, skill is ability, right? We can use those words interchangeably mm -hmm. here, right? Yep. So God, and this is super powerful, right? If you're not, if I've, I've done this exercise with my, <laughs> with my students before. This is always so funny. I go, you wake up today, right? You say you want to invest money and you want to have more of it so you can, if I had money, then I would make, you know, then I'd go invest. I was like, cool. You wake up today, right now. There's $100 million in your bank account. What do you do with it? You can't spend it on your lifestyle. What do you do with it? Like, nobody knows. They have no clue, right? Now, let me ask you. Joe. I do. I'm yeah, I was going to say, if you woke up with $100 million, if Taylor Welch woke up with $100 million, right? If Bill Gates, well, let's not use Gates. Like, if somebody else woke up with $100 million, <laughs> with $100 million in their bank account, and they knew what to do with it, guess what? They're more than likely going to have people lining up to give them $100 million. Why? Because a lot of people don't know what to do with $100 million, right? There's a reason, and I think I can say this. I'm pretty good friends with Russell Brunson. I'm also pretty good friends with Brad Gibb, right? There is a reason that Russell Brunson goes to Brad Gibb, to Ryan Lee, and says, hey, what do I do with all of my money? Mm -hmm. Why? Because they know what to do with it, Yep. Right? He don't, Russell knows how to produce very, very, very well. And now he's like, I've got all this money. Now I've got to multiply it. I don't know what to do with it. So what do I do? I'm going to go to someone that knows what to do with it. I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to learn the skill of multiplication. And now look what Russell, boom, right? So you go and you look at that and you go, hey, listen, right now, I know this sounds crazy. Now it's my turn to say something controversial, right? Oh, good. Right? I'll go to my safe space. The, <laughs> the reason you don't have $100 million is because you're not worthy of $100 million. And the reason you're not worthy of $100 million is because you don't know what to do with $100 million. You don't know, right? Grant Cardone does. Taylor Welch does. Joe does. Right. By the way, I don't think I'm not there yet. I, I was going to say, I don't know what to do with $100 million. I guess we don't I mean, have $100 million. But I think the, the act of becoming the person, see this, it's what happens in the story. Exactly. The man with two then has four. The act of doing the action to multiply the money makes you worthy of managing it yes, at the next Joe. level. Yes, you learn. And that is the game. It is yes. the game of becoming, right? Yes. That is the game. And it's like, you want 100 million. You know what's way, way, okay, I was gonna say 100 million. I'm gonna use my own personal experience, right? I've made a million bucks, I'm not a millionaire, right? I've made a million bucks, right? Do you know what is way cooler than having a million bucks? The person that I became in the process of making a million bucks, right? It's way cooler. I need to tell broke Joe, woke Joe. I gotta tell this before this is over. Okay, all right, we, okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna like, I'll, I'll, I'll end with that one and then we'll, and then we'll turn over to, to woke Joe, woke Joe and we'll wrap it up with that, on that note. But. I will tell you that I so saw one quick analogy or one quick story. I did taxes yesterday. Uh oh. Mm -hmm. Right? But like, man, crypto just messes everything up. It's just so difficult. Anyway, so like this process is going to be a while. I accidentally paid way too much into one state because I've got entities in different states and blah, 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 right? So it's just this whole process. And I'm like, man, I looked at Leah last night and I was like, man, I'm going to be so stressed out for the next 45 days, right? Or I could be so stressed out over the next 45 days, or I could just learn to understand that, guess what? I had this thought. 12 months ago, I said the same thing. Let me just get through tax season and then it'll all go away. And then it was like six months. Let me just get through this. Let it, and there's always the next thing. It's like, yep. or when you just learn to level up, become a different person in the process, 
learn how to deal with things, thinking differently about everything. You become a different person in the process of doing it. And then things that were trivial, right? Or things that seem so important become trivial because now you know how to deal with them. Russell talks about this a lot because he's like, um, the process of becoming the person you need to be makes you capable of carrying the weight at the next level. hundred percent problems at $55. My problem was used to be $55 a day. And that was the weight that I could carry. But by going through the exercise of becoming a creative value producer in the world, now I'm not dealing with $55 a day problems. My new problem is $6 million to buy the $21 million hotel. New, new levels. Now yeah. we got to finish the story though. Yeah. Well, Joe, by the way, okay. when you read, go, when go. you read Luke's version of the parable of the talents on this multiplication thing, the man who does five and goes to 10, not only does he get the money, he's put in charge over 10 cities. Okay. So, so when you see some of you are, you're like, I don't care about money. I just care about influence. Look, sometimes <laughs> some, the person you become by being able to multiply gives you the skills to manage not only the money, but the people at that level. Absolutely. It's so powerful. Now watch this. So, so the two gets it. The man with one, now he's afraid. And he hides the money, which by the way, is the same thing Adam and Eve do in the garden. They're afraid, so they yep. hide. Okay, because you don't, why was he afraid? Why was the man with one afraid? Well, first of all, most people don't understand in this story how much a talent is. One mm. talent uh, when you like a talent of gold, you just do the math. You figure out how much a talent is. You multiply it by the ounces of gold and stuff like that. One talent of gold in this time, most people, they think it's a coin. And when they hear the word talent, they think it's based on their like, I'm a talented musician. I'm a talented basketball player. No, no, no. It's just, that's just the name of their money. It's like, it's like a Bitcoin or a dollar or yen or whatever, right? It's just uh, one talent was $800,000. Oh my gosh. What? Oh my it was real boy. money. Okay. So when he got five talents, he had four million. When he got two talents, he got 1.6 million. And so this is why he's afraid, right? It's not a coin, not afraid to lose a quarter. He's afraid to lose real money. But notice, watch this, the man with one is afraid. And you have to ask the question, why he's afraid? Well, he says, he knows him to be a hard man, reaping where he has not sown, gathering where he has not scattered seed. He's afraid to lose. But what does the introduction to the story say? It says the Lord, representing God, gave to each man according to his ability. So the problem wasn't that the man with $800,000, one talent, was incapable of multiplying what he had. The problem was Fear. he didn't know who he was. He didn't he was know afraid. who he was. Yeah. And some of you listening to me right now, you don't know who you are. Josh, so many times when I level up and meet new goals in entrepreneurship, I go to the next level, the next level. Never. And when you start learning how to do these identity shifts we'll talk about, like it goes faster and faster and faster. When you start living by the principles more, it goes faster and faster and faster. It's scary how fast it's going right now. But what happens is, is you, you realize that uh, it's about identity, like you talked about. But at every level, this fear of loss is a lack of understanding of who you are. Mm. And so many times when I went to the next level, I'll be like excited and sad. I'm like, wow, this is scary. And I'll just feel like this thing. And it's like, there's this voice that happens in my head. I hope I'm not getting too personal here, but there's this voice that happens in my head whenever that happens. And I hear it's, and it's like, you don't even know who you are. Mm. 
Anybody ever heard that? You're like, you don't even know who you are or where you are. And I feel yeah. like we're all in a battle to be and become at a level that produces so much value. But the thing that stops us is we don't know who we are. And so we operate in fear thinking we can't when the very fact that you have access to an opportunity tells you that you have the ability, you wouldn't have the, you wouldn't have the opportunity if you didn't have the ability. Okay. I, that I know we're coming up short on time here, but I want that's so powerful. What you just said, who, who you are, you don't know who you are. Quick, quick context. Remember I told you about that Katie, right here. I hire Katie pay $60,000 contract got $8,000 left, blah, blah, blah. Get on the phone with Katie. Very first phone call. Right. And Katie's like, Josh, you can tell, tell me what your problem is, right? And I'm like, all right, Katie, you said. You said I could tell you. So I go, and I tell her every problem that I have, right? I go, here's my funnel problem, my business problem, my Facebook ads problem, my relationship problem, my family problem. I just dump, right? Like every different thing on it, right? Now, here's a woman who's coached high, high, high performed, been on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, sold company for tens of millions of dollars, right? My very, very powerful woman, incredibly gifted, paid her 60 grand for this, right? You know what the very first thing that she said to me was? Very, very first question. I've told this story many times. Very, very first thing. You know what it was? I'll do, Josh, who are you? That was the very first thing out of her mouth. And I, I remember looking at her like, Katie, what are you talking about? How is this in any way related to all of my problems? How? Right? And she goes, because until you know who you are, you will forever be in chaos. And I'm like, I didn't get it at the time. Right. But it's just so crazy that you say that because like here at the highest level, I went to the highest. I couldn't even afford the person I just hired to coach yep. me. Right. This yep. is, she works with high multi, 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 multi millionaires. Right. Yep. And the very first yep. question is, who are you? Yep. yep. So in that story, watch the man with one. So he operates in fear and so he hides. And if you're listening to me, you're probably hiding. And you, and the reason you hide is because you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're capable of mm. and you're afraid to lose. Mm. Powerful, dude. Stop it. Stop that. You stop it right now. What's funny is, and you want to get into politics? Here's Jesus talking politics and this doesn't play well. Watch this. <laughs> God is angry at this man for not understanding who he is. God is angry at this man for operating in fear. God is angry for playing the protectionist game instead of the multiplication game. And he says, give to the one with five. Watch this, watch this. I struggled with this when I was broke because I didn't understand what he said. Listen to what he says. He says, to him that has, more will be given. And to him that has not, even that which he has will be taken away. And that does not sound like the Democrat Party. <laughs> <laughs> you just went there. And that, sound, and that does not sound like something Jesus should say either, because Jesus is like, he loves the poor, and I love the poor too. Just, I just to clarify, we hate Republicans too, right? We hate them all, but <laughs> that's just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, to him that has, more will be given. It's like, no, 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 you're Jesus. You messed that line up. Because what you're supposed to say is to him that has, more will be taken to give to those who do not have. That's what Jesus is supposed to say in, in our culture. But that's not what he says. He says to him that has, more will be given. 
And to him that has not, even that which he has will be taken away. Now watch this. Many of us would say, yeah, that's not right. Like, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. It's like, but we have this saying in culture. It's like, oh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And you could almost interpret what Jesus says there as that line, but that's not what he said. Mm. Watch this, watch this. He says, to him that has more will be given. And to him that has not, even that which he has will be taken away. Pause. To him that has not, that's how he identifies him. And then he says, even that which he has. That's, that's a, those are contrary. Does he have or does he have not? Mm. Right? But you, when you take it in context, you understand because he's talking about the man who had one and had the ability to multiply one. And so him that has not, how does he have not? He has not because he doesn't believe he has, Josh. Mm. Mm. So whether I'm talking to people who are letting money get in the way of what you're trying to do with your life, and you're living under the assumption like I did when I was broke, Joe, and struggling and trying to multiply a movement, but I did, in my mind, Josh, I didn't have. And it was my belief in my lack that caused my belief that God had failed me. But here's my question to you. Did I really lack resources or did I just lack belief in the resources that were available to me? Mm. Mm. Powerful. It's you will never lack resources. I don't care if you're in a, I'm, and I'm going to say this and, and this is polarizing, but biblical. It's like if you live in a war torn nation, third world country, it is never ever a lack of resources that holds us back is it harder yep way harder. is it evil and difficult and unfair and all the things yep 100 but because you are a creator made in the image of god you can find if you can just get the skill of multiplying josh if you can just believe god that that's what you were made to do look has, have you ever done that thing where they're like hey i'll you got a penny? Would you rather take a million dollars today or a penny multiplied every day for 30 days? You ever seen that yeah, little yeah. thing? You ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you take the penny, if you're like a million dollars easily, right? But if you take the penny and you double it every day for 30 days, you end up with a crazy number. I think it's like 5.4 million or something uh, yeah. crazy like that, right? 5.368 million. There you go, right? Why? What made the difference? It wasn't what you started with. It was your ability to multiply. But here's, you know, what's crazy. Mm-hmm. If you change that 30 days to just 27 days, it's only 671,000. And that just goes to show you, we're not like, by the way, God calls us to be patient, right? God calls us to be mm-hmm. consistent and pay. And it's exponential. It's exponential. The returns that we will get from that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So Joe. end of the day with that yeah. story, it's lack of belief. Yep. Josh, it's lack of belief. I don't know how your time is, but it's well, lack no, of it's belief. it's it is it what's interesting with that because you know, obviously, guys, like we're not I, I want to be super, super clear here because I already I already can hear the comment section. I can already hear people in my DMs. Oh, Josh, you're saying that poor people have the blah blah. Listen, I'm not condemn and Joe, I think I can speak for you with this. I'm not condemning you if you're poor. I'm not condemning the poor people. I don't think you're evil, I don't think you're bad, I don't think any of those things. However, what I do think is that if you complain and you're a victim 
and you act like you have no ability to change your situation, that is where I go, no, 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 no. Listen, M- Mother Teresa was poor, right? <laughs> right? Like when it comes to, when it com- came to, a, or broke, right? Mother Teresa didn't have tons of money, right? But she got resourceful and look at all, I mean, incredibly well-connected, right? Had access to tons and tons of resources. Why? Because she was resourceful, right? Listen, you can have $100 million in the bank. You can have a billion dollars in the bank and live broke if you want to. You don't have to flash. You don't have to be, you don't have to move into a mansion like Joe. You don't have to, right? But that doesn't take away the biblical principles that we're talking about here of be fruitful, multiply, go inherit. We didn't even get to the inherit the earth part, right? But like go out and be fruitful, be multiplied. If you apply biblical principles of how the world works, if you understand how money works, if you understand what actually makes everything move, you anyone, any human being on the face of the planet has the ability to change their life. You just do, right? And you get to decide what it ultimately is that you're going to do with that. But oh, oh, our message thought- to the poor is not is not your bad. The message to the poor is not your bad. The message to the poor is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Like if you live by the principles, you don't have to be poor for very long. You don't have to. And by the way, if you want to stay poor, by all means, but still be fruitful, still multiply, right? Give it all away if you want to, but still be fruitful, still be multiply. Because that's the message to all of us, right? That doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, doesn't matter if you're, you know, what gender you are, what skin color you are, where you're born, who you're, that's the, that's the, that's the goal, right? That's what, that's our, our commandment to us is to go be fruitful, multiply and to inherit the earth. And I think that that's very, very powerful. And this podcast is for people out there that are the entrepreneurs that are the go-getters that are the ones that are out there that want to change their life, that want to become better. Listen, if you're on this podcast, you don't want to change your life. Just please unsubscribe and leave. Right? Like I, I just don't know what to tell you, right? This is not the place for you, right? This is for those of us that are out there. We're getting smarter. We're getting better. We want to go make a massive impact on the world. That's why we are entrepreneurs, right? That's who I serve. That's why I know who you serve, Joe, right? And so I really, really appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing this, right? Um, and just being super, super open with your story because it's incredibly, incredibly powerful and in what you've learned. Um, honestly, this is one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. This is really, really fun. It's super fun. Thank you, man. Me yeah. too. I love it. I this is fun jamming out. Um, I have a couple. So well, we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, kind of uh, there's a close. I do have a hard cutoff here in about five minutes. Um, but I want to ask you, I always ask two, two, two rapid fire questions at the end of every podcast to kind of wrap it up. Right. So I had a couple on think different theory. They were super awesome. But now with the Josh 40 fact, we've kind of shifted them just slightly. Right. Because I, I think one of a very, very, very firm belief of mine in life is that if you ask better questions, you get better answers. Right. If you ever stuck, if you ever stuck, right. You just got to ask a better question. If you're not getting the answer you want, approach it differently, ask a different question. Right. So uh, first question for you here, as we go through and do this is I want to know what is one unchanging truth that you have known your whole life. Because here's the here's context, right? So many times we grow, we say we learn things, right? Oh, well, I used to believe this, then I believe this. And it's like, okay, well, what are the things that never change, right? What? So what is something that you have known in your life since the beginning that has never, ever changed and you know it to be true? Never been asked that. It's a great question. My answer, my immediate answer was that I was made for something. Mm. Like, so that means I was made with a purpose. And we've talked about that. Like as a, as a human, I was made to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I didn't know that my whole life. That was a revelation. And I struggled with it. But the fact that I know that I was made, it's like I was a philosophy major and, and um, it was, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost his name off the top of my head. But he's like, I think therefore I am. Mm. And so you get to these unchanging truths and it's like, I think therefore I am. And if I am, I, w- I was made. And mm. if I was made, I was made for a purpose. 
And so my life becomes about how do I, how do I fulfill that purpose? Right. And so I want to join God in making the world better. Cause I think that's why he made me mm. and there's principles he gave me. And if I live by the principles, oh my gosh, I can join him and the world gets better and better and better and better because I be who he made me to be. Mm. I was made but for the ultimate truth is I was made for something, which by the way, side note, finishing a book now called made for this. Um, but yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay. Second question for you. Slightly different angle on this is uh, if you knew you had 24 hours to live, you're going to die in exactly 24 hours from right now. Clock starts. What do you do in the next 24 hours? I get on this camera and I, I, I share my message with the world. I gather my kids around. I cry my family around and I tell them how to live. And it's what I'm doing with my life. I tell them how they can live to be who they were made to be. I think the greatest joy and happiness and fulfillment will come from a place of fulfilling your purpose and the agony of not understanding your purpose is a terrible agony and it robs you of that time that you talked about earlier and so yeah i would i i would want my message to go as far as possible and i'd be afraid that it would that all the pain i went through to learn the lessons wouldn't be learned and so i'd gather my kids and i'd like i would just i'd tell my family and record everything i needed to know everything they needed to know so that I could somehow help them stand on the shoulder of giants as we all do and mm. try and be that voice and that they wouldn't forget. Mm. Powerful. So, yeah. That, yep. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for your time, man. This was absolute blast. Appreciate you. We'll have to do it again. I feel like we just got barely got started. I feel like we could just go and go and go, we could. but, uh, <laughs> um, I have a cutoff and, uh, two hours gets pretty long after a while. I think we, I think we gave people, uh, we offended people enough right? We, we, we got into their head enough, right? We <laughs> preached at them enough. We shared enough Bible verses with them to give them enough to chew on for a little bit until next time. So Joe, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See you. Yeah. Guys, as always, also God bless. Know who you are, know what you believe, know why you believe it, be able to defend it because that is how we change the world. I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace.